0: It's time to add some spice to your nooner. Nooner. (laughs) Funny. This is the place where big-time guests, bold opinions, and little cute doggies come together. This, this is Rothman and Ice.
1: All right, back at it. They released us and tagged us and set us into the wild. (laughs) Rothman and Ice at the Signature Cabinetry Fan Golf Classic presented by Delta Dental of Ohio and Logan AC and Heat Services. Nailed it right out of the gates. Mm. Iceman back from the south. Mm-hmm. Hot Lana. Yep. That's right. Chicken and and waffles yep. and all sorts of good stuff.
2: Yeah. where well, the play is play. And I saw it with my own eyes. But it's good to be back. It's good to see you out here. And I, and I feel like a kid, you know. Like this is a... Uh, little vacation day from school. You get out. You have that day in school. Maybe a pool day. Field you go and hang out with your friends. Absolutely. It's a field trip vibe. It's beautiful out here. Seeing some guys approaching 18 already. There's food. There's drinks. There's everything you could want out here. What a wonderful way to kick off the week, man.
1: Well, it's cool. And we've had such great support of this event over the years. The Buckeye Cruise for Cancer and the Urban and Shelley Meyer Fund for Cancer Research at the James Cancer Hospital is the beneficiary. And uh, we know all too well here at the FAN. What this money can do. We've we've had heartbreak. We've certainly had success stories and everyone has been touched or will be touched in some way, some degree of separation. And we we have to do something about it. And and if we can do our part, which we are and keep uh, adding to the pot and adding to the research, then we're doing our job. So it's good to be out here with you, my man. Uh, having a good time. Had a pretty good weekend. Didn't golf much. Rain, rain. Yeah. You know, you, you've heard me say it, man. Three seasons in Ohio. Cold, wet, and hot, <laughs> Never man. Never fails us. And it's it's so weird how we're supposed to dry out in June and get yeah. some darn golf in, and then all of a sudden we get this. Uh, post July Fourth rainstorm this weekend always happens on the weekend. But now I've just kind of hunkered down, watched a little Wimbledon. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been into the tennis for so long, for so many years, and but I've kind of fallen off of it, man. I, I don't, I'm not dedicated to it the way I used to be. But since it was pouring on Sunday morning, I was able to watch that final. I was rooting for the young Italian kid Mm -hmm. to take down the Joker. People ask me, like, why? And I go, well, of the big three, of Fed, Nadal, and Joker, I I like him the least. I guess that's the best way to put it. (laughs) Uh, I like Nadal the most. And Federer is great, but his time has passed now. And uh, Fed is 40, Nadal is 35, and Joker is 34. And... Um, he's won five of the last eight majors, including the first three this year. He's ridiculous. Yeah. And the one thing you can say about because you can look at guys, and Federer makes it look so easy. Like, Federer is just silky smooth when he played and, and so efficient everywhere. Joker is one of those guys that you can't really put your finger on because a lot of these champions, you'd be like, you know what? His groundies were the best that ever were, or he's got a, a, a big serve as a weapon. Agassi had the return. Connors had a, had a return. McEnroe had serve and volley. His volleys were amazing. Borg at the baseline. All these, Becker, serve and volley. You had all these great champions of their time. V-Lander, baseline genius. You had all these dudes that I grew up with where I could where I could say that's his signature. Yeah. And with Joker, it's like, man, he checks every single box. And not only that. He's got that villain type mm-hmm. feel to him, and he fuels on the crowd. Yeah. He's one of those guys that seems to play into the crowd or against the crowd or whatever it takes. I love it. And the crowd was rooting for this young Italian kid, first ever Grand Slam final. Sure. And the fact that he was he could have been the first Italian ever to win Wimbledon. Uh, get won the first set. All of a sudden, there was a feel that there could be an uh, could be an upset, but. Yeah. Uh, not to be. The Joker wins 20, and now all three of them are tied at 20. And
2: I asked you a few times when we kicked off Wimbledon, who was going to get this thing done? And you were all over it. You nailed it. The Joker again. Everybody
1: did, dude. It was handed Uh, to him. He didn't have to play a top 10 dude until the final.
2: I love what you said, though, about how he embraces kind of that villain role. Because every sport needs that guy that's really good, that's got an edge to him, that's not going to back down from anything spicy. And he is that guy. It's been unbelievable, man, just growing up and watching the big three like you mentioned and just completely dominate that sport and on different surfaces how all these guys have mm-hmm. certain advantages that work better for this for their skill set but it was his tourney and it was fun to watch some of it over the weekend and it's just continued dominance from the same three names that I just remember growing up and watching my dad now is a big big tennis guy so I know he was absolutely locked into this thing I know he's a Nadal guy uh, as well so it, it's, it's great but Nadal man my heart goes out to that dude. I love that dude, man. He is the guy that I find myself rooting for the most out of the big three. It's something about his game, his swagger that I really appreciate as well. So the Joker racks up another one. Like you said, not a surprise to a lot of people and the young kid, man, it would have been great to see that because you, you always like to see in sports every once in a while a young guy clip the veteran. It would have been like what we saw in the Super Bowl last year with Mahomes and Brady, right? Was this his time? Was it his time to take over uh, for the OE? and unfortunately it wasn't that, but the young guy I'm sure will have plenty of opportunities and definitely has the skill set to get back to that
1: moment. Well, it was certainly a David and Goliath type feel. I mean, there's no way to look at it any other way. Um, Part of it, after he won the first set, I started thinking, well, the closer he gets to upsetting him, the harder it's going to be to close him out. And the only thing that really changed in that match after Joker won the first set was the fact the odds changed a little bit. (laughs) Joker was still a huge favorite even after he won the first set. The difference is that... This kid relies on. He's by the way, uh Berrettini six five. Yeah. Like what happened to the average height tennis player? <laughs> right. The five ten, five eleven tennis player. Yeah. Um And I mean, even Fed is what six one. I think mm-hmm. so. um I mean, Nadal certainly has probably one of the best athletes we've ever seen play the game. Not the, be- he Rocks the, the best. He probably cut off too. The yes, the cut us right, exactly. on that. Got to show off the gym work. Yeah. And. The fact is that this kid had chances, and he just is a little too freewheeling, man. He just When you rely on that big forehand and big serve, you've got to know when to be a little more conservative. And Joker just waited him out. So that's kind of where we are with it. And, yeah, I don't see any reason to believe. Here's the difference. Nadal losing to Joker at the French this year, his house, his surface, was absolutely huge for the overall. Because if Nadal wins the French, which everybody thought he would, he'd be at twenty one and Joker would be at twenty. And so there may be a feeling that if Nadal keeps racking up Frenches, he could hold him off. But now it just feels like after Joker beat him at the French this year, you're like, Okay, maybe there's a little bit of a torch passing as far as now as far as the overall. But if Nadal can can get healthy and remain healthy for another season or two, and rack up another couple French Opens, and possibly something else. You know, not playing Wimbledon, maybe he will get his body ready for the Open.
2: Yeah, which absolutely. Yeah. And one thing that I love about Wimbledon, and it took a couple years to grow on me, was the whiteout. It took a couple of years. <laughs> Thought it was kind of forcing everybody to wear white. But you see some of the stuff these dudes wear. Like Joker was rocking this amazing zip-up I saw over the weekend. You know I like looking for stuff like that. The the little details in the fashion. I'm all about it. And it finally hit me like, yeah, this is a clean look. I'm all about it. We get the strawberries and cream out there. That's right. And all that other stuff. Love the look uh, from Wimbledon
1: this weekend, man. It was
2: aesthetically pleasing.
1: Yeah, I'll I'll give you a couple of notes as we kind of close out Wimby here 2021 style. Uh, sir, he was the overwhelming favorite, he cashed in. Like I said, didn't have to beat a top 10 dude on his way. Did have to beat, I think, three top 10 dudes to win the French, which was pretty amazing for Joker. Beating Nadal, beating CT Pass in the finals, ranked fifth. And, but you're right. The one thing I find amazing about Djokovic also, he doesn't look like he sweats. Like he may be the only tennis player who I look at and go, how does he. How does he look that fresh yeah, after know. the match? I know he's got that incredible DNA with that Brillo pad hair, yeah. but it, he doesn't sweat. Which is crazy, because I'm a guy that sweats
2: doing anything. You and I, before the show, every once in a while, we'll get a couple sets of ping pong in, and I'm dripping from my forehead with mm. sweat, in the whole first segment, I'm pitting in gotta, the studio. Did you try that
1: cold splash? You know, that that I did try go? that
2: last yeah. week. And it absolutely worked. Shut those pores off, dude. It absolutely worked. Now, I got to say, the body shock was not fun not for about fun, the first three to it. five seconds, but it absolutely worked because I, I told you, I had to take a shower, and I had to get running again, and I got out of there, and I was like, you know what? My man AR hit me with a little trick. I'm going to try this
1: today, and you nailed it, man. It was, it was awesome. Thank you. Take that hot shower, Maddie. Just throw that throw that thing on ice cold for about five, six seconds before you get out. You'll shut down, man. You won't be the human heat pump
2: coming to work. Tell you what, this weekend down in Atlanta, you guys had a bunch of rain down here, and it was rain and everything down there, but I was blown away, and I know you've been there, but to see it in person, that Mercedes-Benz Stadium where the Atlanta Falcons get down was – incredible in person. I know we've got some new stadiums with the Raiders and the Rams out there on the left coast, but to see that up close in personal was just absolutely spectacular. The city's got so much to offer. The College Football Hall of Fame, everything was just so uh fun down there in the A, but you've been there one time to that stadium?
1: One time? No. I was there for the, the – super- Well, where did they play the – where did the uh, – uh, I know you've Bunk been there in the last
2: couple of years. Yeah. I remember you guys. Georgia being Dome. Down so there. I was in the Georgia Dome and then it became there, right? Oh my goodness. Yeah. That place is just, TV doesn't do it justice. When we drove past it, walked by it, I, I could not believe it. David Justice? It. That, yeah, shout out to David <laughs> Justice, former Atlanta Brave right. and New York Yankee but I know you guys have an incredible stadium up there in Minnesota. Just got my mind thinking, we need all the stadiums around the country to have domes. I, they, they look so much better. You just wipe out the elements. You never have to worry about any of that. Baseball, football, let's get it going if you can. Hey, we got a Brand new, beautiful stadium downtown here in Columbus, uh, Lower.com Stadium and all that. That looks incredible. That protects you as a fan uh, if it rains and all that. But I've never seen a stadium like that in my life, A.R. I mm. thought it was a spaceship when I walked up on that thing. It was unreal.
1: Yeah, very neat from the outside. I think inside it's... Fairly normal, right? I mean, it's it's the rip. We right? didn't get to go yeah, no, inside. I, I don't think you would have been blown away okay. on the inside. It would feel very warehousey, cult like kind of a yeah. You know, I've always had beef. But the with outside's them. amazing. You
2: know, I've always had beef with them with putting a Chick fil A inside yeah. of a football stadium that hosts games on Sundays, and we know Chick fil A is closed on Sundays. But I think it was the Mercedes
1: logo that got I, me. I was going to say with, you saw that three pointed star on the outside for a guy like you,
2: man. When yeah. I, you know I like me a nice Mercedes G Wagon. I saw one of them out in the park parking lot today and got jealous immediately but that's it for me now i got to go see what's out there on the left cuz with the rams and the raiders because apparently the raider stadium is just the death star maybe the nickname for that thing is just as clean as clean gets
1: i know you like to maybe let go a little bit on the weekend and and yeah. uh, as you say let's get weird um, but no, no Gladys Knight chicken and waffles. We didn't make it all there.
2: Right. We went to a place called Rock Steady in downtown steady, Atlanta, which was steady. amazing. Were a you steady of,
1: rocking all night long?
2: That absolutely happened okay. most of the night. They is a Caribbean restaurant. And then you go upstairs okay. and there's a nice little bar, and it was just a good time down in the A. I ate great. I really did ate great in Atlanta. Were you sharing but- the same dream? I was the Jerry,
1: Caribbean she, Queen. I was absolutely right. I had
2: some Caribbean jerk wings from mm. that place. That yeah. man, I wish I could fly those up here right now. I'm mm. telling you what, you and I be cleaning those jerk bones store call. They're
1: running out of you <laughs> exactly. By the way, real quickly, yeah. I wanted to close out Wimbledon this way. Um, you know, I've been I was really lucky, you know, to be able to go there years ago. Uh, but yeah, once back mm, in '80 and I did enjoy it. And so my brother and I were kids, and my dad loved tennis, and and got it done. And I found on eBay. I was searching around on eBay last night, so I found a DVD. Some dude had it of the final that I went to with McEnroe. And I don't obviously have this, you know, anywhere. Mm-hmm. I have. I found the program in my dad's, you know, place when we dismantled it, and I and I found the the ticket. And so I bought the DVD of the final. Mm-hmm. Hoping that when hoping that we are on it it's popping up somewhere, and I can't imagine that we're not somewhere. Oh, I
2: need that.
0: We ha- I need that. I
1: will. I will. And I bought it last night. I'm like, I got to do it. Yeah. I've never seen it available anywhere else. Yeah. it's Such a dopey final with McEnroe <laughs> playing Chris Lewis, the Kiwi, and he blistered him two two and two. Yeah. So it was a nothing final. But we were there. Oh my goodness. And I, and, and we were right there on the baseline. And I have to tell you, we have to be on it. Oh my goodness. If you're on the baseline, you're absolutely on that thing because I love
2: when you pop up with the young Anthony pictures or the mullet man with the jeans Mm. riding down the slope pictures. Like I love the throwbacks and I need that screen grab. I need it.
1: Concert buttons on the jean jackets. No question. That's right. No question. Uh, we got a lot to do today. Mark Schofield, NFL USA Today will jump on at 1233. Give us all the latest off-season stories as we get close to camp. Uh, we'll do NBA Game 3 today as well at 1 o'clock because they are back in it. Yep. Colin Haas Hill, Ohio State basketball. Gets a nice transfer last week. Uh, we'll talk about the impact and where he may fit in. That'll be a 133. Tom Van Herren, ESPN College Football. Uh, We'll talk about recruiting, the conveyor belt that Ohio State is, and then going into camp this year. Aaron Rodgers played golf as well, tossed some footballs out to the fans in Lake Tahoe, and he spoke again. Does he sound like a guy that's willing to keep dug in? You'll find out next. We're off and running at the Fan Golf Classic. Rothman and Ice on the fan.
0: The fan is live and local with morning juice, caffeinate, and dominate. Weekday mornings from 6 to 9. The Fan, Ohio's sports destination. Old school and new school. Joining forces to give you an education. This is Rothman and Ice. All right, welcome back. Out in our natural
1: habitat today. You know, when you go to the zoo and the animals aren't out, it's always a disappointment. Well, they let us out today. So if you're walking around, you might be able to see us. We're up here at Kinsale, Golf and Fitness Club, our great host for the Signature Cabinetry Fan Golf Classic, presented by Delta Dental of Ohio and Logan AC and Heat Services. Um, Aaron Rodgers, Maddie, I'm starting to believe that we may be on the wrong side of this. oh Through no fault of our own. Because this may if this turns out to be... And I'm not speaking for Packer fan. Packer fan wants him to come back, of course. This is like a, a really suspenseful movie that may have the worst ending of all time. If he goes back to camp, yeah. it, like nothing happened. This is like Costanza who got fired and shows up for work. Like nothing happened. Like if he, To me, and this is speaking as a Viking fan, and mm. you're speaking as an unbiased dude as well. Yeah. I want the suspense of this holdout to last. Of course you do. But if he slithers back, so he was, at, he was uh, and I was the one that told you, I don't think he will slither back because a while ago because you go through all of this only to say, well, I guess I'll play? Like, it's weird. So anyway, he was asked about it by NBC, about his future with the Packers while he's out at Tahoe. This is coming off the match he played. He's having his best summer. He goes, I'm going to enjoy the hell out of this week, and then I'm going to get back to working out and figure things out in a couple weeks. Figuring things out sounds a lot softer than, well, we'll see, won't we, which yeah. is what he dropped a week ago to Barkley.
2: If I was a Packers fan, that was the most positive thing I've heard throughout this entire saga with Aaron Rodgers, was that comment, which isn't much. But we haven't gotten much from him outside of the Kenny Maine situation. Didn't get much out of the match. We knew we weren't going to get anything uh, really concrete from him in that moment. But when I did see that comment and I saw kind of his tone when I watched the video, it perked me up a little bit. So now I think my mind goes to, well, if you're Mark Murphy and if you're Brian Kudikins. You don't do a darn thing for the next two weeks. You stay out of the way because the last thing that you need to do is make any of the comments that you've already made calling him complicated and saying he's dividing the fan base because the way it hit me, AR, is he's warming back up. He is warming back up to coming back to Green Bay. And we talked about it last week, and I started to shift back over to that side because it starts to feel like the Russell Wilson thing again to where you've got these quarterbacks that were so upset about – you know different reasons for their respective squads and maybe they just wanted to see their teams go through the mud for a little bit and maybe that's where Aaron Rodgers is because i can't imagine that too much is going to change for him mentally about the organization over the next couple of weeks because what is, what has changed what has changed between the relationship between Murphy, Goody, and Aaron Rodgers. And I can't imagine it's been much. Now, maybe it's behind closed doors. They promised this guy some things that we'll never know about that may come to the surface here in the next few months and maybe even going into next season. But, man, uh, him crawling back now after all of this and how dug in everyone has told us he is, it's going to be surprising to me if he's there day one here in the next couple of weeks. But the other side of that, too, is maybe he's not feeling losing 35 million dollars this year maybe he doesn't want to throw away a season to where he knows they've got a really talented football season team maybe all of that is starting to get into his mind and creep back into his mind and saying look i I can be upset with the guys that sit up there in the suites but for us down here on the field i got to be the guy that come back comes back and get it all together and maybe the football guy in him is starting to come out more than the business guy
1: right now yeah this is Rocky 5. This is this is Tommy Morrison and, and and Rocky having a fight in a parking lot. Like this doesn't feel right anymore. And he obviously knows when training camp starts, so he wouldn't drop the we'll figure things out in, in in a in a couple of weeks. Right. So he knows the deadline. And it makes me also believe that the Packers played this perfectly. It's if this is what's gonna happen. Because everyone said that they were the ones that had the leverage right now that they could call his bluff. Now, the one thing where I was leaning on the Packers on this, and I was leaning on it with you and you were against this, was you don't have to trade him now because whatever he's worth, he's worth for your future, not for the now. You're, you'd be developing Jordan Love. You'd want picks. You'd want to turn him into something for the future. So that's why they could call his bluff. And if he comes back, and, and you remember when I, I thought it was very weird that he was talking about how great this summer was, and he's taking control of his, his life mentally, yeah. and he didn't take the opt-out. The opt-out was there on a plate for him, and no he doubt. didn't take it. Um, if they package this up as, I just want to be back with my teammates and do right by my team, then it does, it, will, it will have the feeling of kind of a, a real sugar-coated ending. And you know what?
2: He's also got to think about that legacy word, right? Because he wants to be... In that conversation as far as Super Bowl wins goes with the best of the best and this is it this is their window like he could go to Denver and maybe make something happen maybe Oklahoma, Las Vegas all the teams we talked about but for right now Aaron Rodgers needs to do a little bit more as far as holding up the Lombardi trophies because of how we talk about Aaron Rodgers and I honestly think that some of that is probably weighing on him right now to where sure you can put all this pressure on the team. But what is it really going to do for my football legacy? And if I'm Aaron Rodgers, that stuff has to come into account because I'm not going to have that many cracks at it the rest of my career and at least, or at least playing at an MVP level. Eventually it's going to fade away. Eventually he's not going to have this roster around him in Green Bay or wherever he's going to go. So that's why I think, man, look, I've had the summer of fun. I've missed OTAs, I've missed minicamp, they've seen what life is like without me, and now it's time to roll. I've made them sweat enough, let's get it going here in a couple
1: weeks. We probably, as sports fans of a certain era, think of Aaron Rodgers as being better than Ben Roethlisberger, better than Eli Manning, better than Troy Aikman, possibly better than Terry Bradshaw. Um, now, I'm not going to put numbers, I'm not putting super, it's a team game still, but What I'm trying to say is, to your legacy point, that he's got to get another. He's got to tie. That's what I'm saying. He's got to tie with Elway. He's got to tie with Roethlisberger. He's got to tie with Manning. No doubt. He's got to tie. He's got to – forget about Aikman. That team was just ridiculous. But as far as quarterbacks that we judge as best ever, he's not catching Brady. He's probably not getting Montana. He's not going to get Bradshaw. But he doesn't want to go down as a guy who left a title on the table. And I agree with you. To just let a season go by and not know where he's going to be traded to does go to legacy.
2: You don't want to have kind of that Marino, Charles Barkley-ish vibe attached to your name, right? Ridiculously talented, did a lot of great things in the league, but there's always that. But he was so good, they didn't win enough championships. And I think for Aaron Rodgers, that stuff has to matter because right now he's playing at a high level, and I think that Packers
1: team can get it done if they get a few breaks here or there. And let me add this in his defense. He is not the reason that they're not, that they don't have more titles. A lot of his legacy is tied into the fact a lot of his legacy is tied into this pseudo holdout. It's that I am protecting my legacy. I'm not just going to go out there with what you give me, Devontae Adams and whatever yeah. and Aaron Jones and then try to figure it out and win a title. Mm-hmm. I think you've wasted my prime mm-hmm. and you haven't given me enough or at the very least we haven't communicated enough with me and he kind of feels like he's a little bit on a man without a without a team yep and so that's the weird thing about he probably say that my legacy is important to me, but it's tied to this holdup because they haven't done enough. Yeah, no and that's the convoluted part of yep. all of it. All right, but it did sound encouraging that we'll figure it out in a couple weeks. What, what's happening in a couple of weeks, Aaron? Oh, training camp No started. doubt, man. Time to roll, yeah. baby.
2: Football season you, is around you gotta, you, the
1: corner. You're going to tease him more? No, man. Like, I'm, like that to me, he didn't stick to the normal stock answer. Well, hey. I'm just here to have a good time in Tahoe. We'll come back with Mark Schofield, NFL reporter, USA Today. See what he has to say about it next from the Fan Golf Classic here on The Fan. Proud to
0: be your flagship home for Ohio State athletics. The Jackets, Crew Soccer, and Bobby Carpenter's uncomfortably vascular arms. The Fan, Ohio sports destination. Movie references you may not get. Even if you saw the movie, this is Rotman and Ice. All right, back at it. Out at the
1: Signature Cabinetry Fan Golf Classic, presented by Delta Dental of Ohio and Logan AC and Heat Services, Anthony Roth and Maddie Ice. We welcome back to the program Mark Schofield, USA Today, NFL reporter, Touchdown Wire. He's got it all covered. Mark, welcome back.
3: Oh, thanks for having me back, guys. Glad to be here. Yep.
1: Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll tee up with uh, the predictable story Aaron Rodgers um, are you reading anything more into this? What he just said at Tahoe will figure things out in a couple weeks. That kind of at least says when you, whenever you drop the phrase figure things out, the only thing it tells me he might be actually willing to figure things out with Green Bay. You reading into that the same way?
3: Yeah, I read that the same way. I mean, I remember when I was on with you guys a couple of weeks ago, I said, oh, man, you're seeing all this sort of wall that's being put up. The more and more Rodgers talks about this, the more time passes, the more stories that are done. It really seems like he's not going to come back to play for Green Bay. But now it does seem like things have thought a bit. You know, the comments he made at Tahoe, even some of the comments he made during the match. Um, he was playing last week with Tom Brady, Phil Mickelson, and company. It seems like he's sort of warming up to the idea that, like you said, they will figure things He's open to sort of mending the bridge, mending the fences between him and the Green Bay Packers. Now, look, we do have two weeks now, right? They open training camp Wednesday, I think, the 28th. The Green Bay Packers do Wednesday night, the 28th. So we're just about two weeks out from the start of Packers trading camp. And look, deadlines make deals. Timelines make deals. Hard dates make deals and make things happen. So I do think that as this is approaching, the recent comments from Aaron Rodgers himself, it does seem to be, like you said, this relationship has thawing out a bit. And maybe they'll be able to, like Aaron said himself, figure things out over the next couple of weeks.
2: Staying there in the NFC with another quarterback that kind of stirred up a little drama with his team earlier in the offseason with Russell Wilson. It's a team that I was thinking about this weekend that, man, we've seen the Packers have so much success. And obviously Aaron, uh, Aaron Rodgers, if they he returns, they're probably going to be right back there. But Russell Wilson, Pete Carroll and company trying to get back to the top of the mountain again. Do you believe that they have everything needed around Russell Wilson on both sides of the football this upcoming year to get that
3: job done? I mean, I think so. I mean, the biggest question, though, is that sort of NFC, you look at the NFC landscape and, you know, if Aaron Rodgers does indeed make his way back, you know, you look at Tampa Bay, like Green Bay, Tampa Bay will certainly be good teams. You wonder about the influence of Matthew Stafford down with the Los Angeles Rams. I know some people are excited about that. Certainly, Arizona has made some additions as well, but you look at Seattle, obviously with DK Metcalf, with Tyler Lockett, they have two tremendous talents at the wide receiver position and specifically with Metcalf, his ability in the vertical passing game fits and pairs so well with Russell Wilson because he's one of the better deep ball throwers in the league, his ability to put air on throws, to drop throws in the bucket, like people say. Uh, the addition of Dwayne Eskridge, the Western Michigan wide receiver, gives him a slot presence as well. Obviously, when you talk about the Seahawks, one of the questions has always been the offensive line and protecting Russell Wilson because you know there are times when he's willing to bail the pocket, and if he feels like he has to, that sometimes allows plays to break down sort of artificially because he's not comfortable behind that offensive line but that group did look a little bit better last year and so obviously Seattle fans are hoping that that group can certainly protect Russell Wilson Then you look at the defensive side of the ball this was a secondary that struggled early last year they sort of confused us all they made us think that the Patriots had a good passing game that week two game right even though Seattle beat New England it looked like man Cam Newton and company they can really throw the ball I think the real lesson of that game was Seattle's secondary wasn't great. They've obviously, looked. Jamal Adams is a fantastic talent. They've made some additions at corner. They drafted Trey Brown, who's probably a good slot corner in the fourth round. They still have some great linebackers, of course. Bobby Wagner remains one of the best in the game. You know, if they can can get consistent pass rush up front, Carlos Dunlap was a nice acquisition for them, that defense should be good. So to answer the question, I think they've got the pieces in place Now it's just can they go out and produce consistently on both sides of the football? I think the pieces are in place. Now we have to see it happen on the field.
1: All right, Mark Schofield with us, USA Today NFL reporter, offering some great insight here. Let's let's hit the Browns with you because you know there's so much hype and for good reason. They're incredible on offense, or they may be. Uh, Defense is where they really had to spend their money. To, uh, to get better, they did that. John Johnson coming over at safety. Troy Hill, uh, the first-round pick they used on Greg Newsom, the second from Northwestern. And Jeremiah Wusikoromoa in the second round, everybody thought he was a steal there. Jadavion Clowney, I probably buried the lead as far as acquiring him. Um, is this defense on paper now enough that makes you believe they can get over on Baltimore and Kansas City?
3: I think so, guys. And look... You know, it's funny. You go to that website, com. they have the depth charts for all the teams, and they always highlight the rookies in green, a different color font. And you look at the Browns depth chart, and you see all these green names on the defensive side of the ball, as well as the acquisitions you made that you pointed out in free agency, like John Johnson, you know, like Troy Hill, Jadavion Clowney. And it's clear that Cleveland had a plan this offseason. Their plan was, we can't lose like we did in the divisional round games to the Kansas City Chiefs again. We can't, you know, when we go up against these high-powered offenses like Kansas City, like Buffalo, like Baltimore we have to have the players on the defensive side of the ball to slow them down. And so they made all these acquisitions on the defensive side of the ball. And, guys, I love what Cleveland did this offseason because they clearly had a plan, and the players they wanted to acquire will help them achieve that goal. I think Johnson was perhaps one of the biggest free agent signings. I love adding Troy Hill. It gives you a presence in the slot. Newsom is a great coverage cornerback. And getting the Notre Dame kid, J.O.K., Owusu-Koromora, where they did in the draft. I thought he was a first round talent. I think he's the kind of player that you need in today's NFL, that sort of mismatch, matchup, eraser type of player on the defensive side of the ball. Because so many offensive coordinators, Kevin Stefanski included, they spend all week trying to figure out how they can use personnel and formations and in different ways to get those advantageous matchups on offense. Well, a guy like Jeremiah owosu Kamara can erase those. You're talking about a player that when they played Clemson, he's covered Amari Rodgers in the slot, but then he's also a stack off-ball linebacker in the box against the run. So if teams try to create those matchups, you can use him to erase those matchups, which is why I thought he was a first-round pick. I love the selection by Cleveland. So I do think they've put together a defense that is built for the modern NFL and is built to slow down some of the high-powered offenses we have in the AFC like Kings. The city like buffalo like baltimore
2: you mentioned some of those offenses i think here in the state of ohio there's going to be some Bengals fans that are going to be really excited about what their offense has the potential to look like the addition now of jamar chase was obviously a big time storyline when the draft was concluded your feel on where they're headed on the offensive side of the football down in cincinnati
3: I do think that they're trending in the right direction. I do like what they've put together. It's it's similar to the discussion we just had about the Cleveland Browns and the plan that they had going in. It's clear that Cincinnati had a plan of their own going into this offseason, both free agency and the draft. And it started with making sure that you can protect Joe Burrow and give him weapons in the passing game. They figured out the protection part, or at least they hope they did, when they added Riley Reif, the right tackle, to give them that presence. Now you've got Jordan Williams at left tackle, Riley Reif at right tackle. They made some additions, actually, Jackson Carmen, the Oklahoma State kid. They're projected to kick him inside. So they do have the ability to make some of those those additions to the offensive line to keep Joe Burrow upright. And then, look, when you add Jamar Chase, it gives Joe Burrow – a target in the downfield pass game that's the true type X receiver that can beat press coverage at the line of scrimmage, that has experience beating press coverage. Just go back, watch 2019 LSU at Alabama. It was like Rocky Four, Drago versus Balboa, when you had Trayvon Diggs and Jamar Chase going at it. Those two I am surprised they didn't have fist fights after every snap. But you see Chase beating press coverage, going up against that Saban defense with those press coverage corners. So he's gonna fit right into the NFL game when you see press coverage on an almost down to down basis. Then on the other side, T. Higgins, I think, is a nice piece for them as well. Joe Mixon, the presence out of the backfield. So again, I love when teams have a plan going into the offseason and execute that plan. Cleveland did it on the defensive side of the ball, and I do think Cincinnati has accomplished it on the offensive side of the ball. Finding ways to protect Joe Burrow and giving them weapons in the passing game.
1: Great stuff with our friend Mark Schofield. Check out touchdownwire.usatoday.com. Great stuff. they got their list of top 15 QBs, top 15 running backs, and a lot more. Mark, good to talk with you, buddy. We're we're inching closer, so we'll talk to you when uh, we get closer to camp
3: sounds great thanks so much for having me have a great day guys
1: thanks. well done Mark Schofield was on the Brian Heating cooling systems fan guest hotline party like a Roth star mm. up next on the fan
3: telling
0: it like it is even if that makes you uncomfortable common man and Tebow weekdays from three to six the fan Ohio sports destination let's all gather into the kiki it's time to party like a Roth star
1: no doubt a lot of dudes cashing in having great weekends I'll start with my lead, which is one, Novak Djokovic. Mm. The sensational Serb came into Wimbledon with career earnings of almost $150 million. Uh, let's oh, add yeah. a couple to that. So he becomes the first tennis player to make 150 plus million on the court. Now, Federer is at number two. He's more than $20 million behind, so he's not going to catch him. Now, Fed has him in endorsements. I'm sure that Rolex deal mm. probably puts Fed over the top. Who knows? Roleys, But the fact that Joker is uh, 35 years old, so a lot of people ask doing the story today on who's the best. Um, they're all tied at 20, all different, but I've got to give it to i got to give it to Joker. Head-to-head, he's he, he's got a better record than Federer head-to-head. He's got a better record versus Nadal by two now that he beat him at the French. He's won five of the last eight majors, including the first three this year, so 47-3 and over that time. The 21-match win streak at Wimby in the majors. Uh, I did mention he only had to be one top ten player this year to win Wimbledon, but he had to beat three to win the French in the same dude, Berrettini, Nadal, and Tsitsipas in the final. So Novak Djokovic. First dude ever with a racket in his hands to make 150 mil plus.
2: I love it. I love that. And since you're talking villains, I'm going to stick with that same theme. Because as you know, I am a big fan of drama in the sports world. I am an even bigger fan of pettiness in the sports world. And that's exactly what was going down between the New York Yankees and the Houston Astros this weekend. With those guys mocking each other. Jose Altuve. hitting jersey off. Absolutely hitting a walk-off home run, and his teammates absolutely doing that on purpose, sticking it to the baseball world and the Yankees and saying, look, man, he ain't got nothing on him this time. Of course. He ain't got nothing on him this time. But that was high-level drama, high-level pettiness. The Astros, look, they're sticking it to everybody that hates them because they are showing we are still legit. They have been really, really good this season. They're the best team in the American League, and Aaron Judge getting involved, Maldonado, the catcher, getting involved, and Jose Altuve and his teammates ripping off his jersey. I was here for every single second of it. The Yankees and the Astros, thank you for the pettiness. You guys are partying like raw stuff.
1: Six-run ninth to beat the Spankies. That's incredible. Yeah, man. It's crazy. Uh, I was watching that this weekend. My second candidate, 51-year-old gentleman Jim Furyk, Mm. with Mike Fluff Cowan on the bag. The old walrus himself wins the U.S. Senior Open. Now, why is that significant? Because now Jim is one of only eight dudes in the world to win both the U.S. Open and the U.S. Senior Open. Names like Nicholas, Palmer, Trevino, Player. Those names. That's right. Held off Retief Goosen and Mike Weir to do it. He won the U.S. 18 years ago. Uh, Started out poorly yesterday. It was plus three after three. Righted the ship. Played the final 15 and two under. That's adding... Seven hundred and twenty grand to a beautiful career earnings now of over seventy one million. Jim Furyk oh, man. is shekels away from Dustin Johnson. Furyk, I think, is fourth all time in money earned on the golf course. Our money, and we know that DJ will obviously stay ahead of them yep. over the years. But Jim Furyk. Who, uh, and I know JG is listening, my boy Gallagher is listening. Next time he comes to Little Turtle, he can buy lunch at 71 million plus. (laughs) That's right. It was great to have him at the home course and hanging out in the tavern. But now it's on Jimbo next time. Yeah. Nice going. Run up the
2: tab, Jimmy. Run up the tab. You know, coming into this baseball season, there was so much noise about the Dodgers and all the additions that they made. So much noise about those San Diego Padres with the young superstars that they have and the, also the additions that they made. And you know, on the side, I am a Padres fan outside of my love for my Cincinnati Reds. But AR, these San Francisco Giants, my man, they have not laid down at all. They go into the All-Star break with a 57-32 and 32 record, 640 win percentage their best entering the all-star break since 1993 when your boy was still sipping on high seed juice boxes and eating animal cookies that's how long it's been for the Giants that they've gone into the break with a record like this and a guy like Brendan Crawford one of the most underrated shortstops in the entire sport has had a monster first half 289 18 home runs 58 RBIs from your shortstop. You will take that all day long. We'll see if they can maintain this for the rest of the season because we know the Dodgers and the Padres have so much talent. But for right now, we got to show some love to the San Francisco Giants because they were getting dunked on this offseason and they're saying, "Uh uh-uh, we're holding it down for at least the first half of the season. The Giants, I'll see you partying like a Rostov.
1: Okay, you and I did not go over this before the show, correct? Another witness. Testimony. Promise we did it. All right. The fact that you said the Giants and actually left out a dude that was my third candidate is unbelievable. Anthony Disco DiSclafani. My guy, former Red, the baby. The fact that you, that, that led right into me perfectly. Six shutout innings on Saturday for the Giants. Since the start of June. He's six and one, yeah, that's correct. Almost six weeks, so forty-six and two-thirds, ERA of one point five four mm. in that span. Mm. You know what an ERA of one point five four? You know what that ties him with since the start of June? That's right, JD Jacob mm. Degrom. Yeah, he's for good. best in the MLB. That boy, good. And he signed the one-year deal, six million dollars, included that quarter million chump change and in incentives. Cash that, homie. He was a staple in your rotation. Then twenty twenty happened. Yeah. Pandemic-shortened season, his ERA ballooned over 7, career-worst strikeout rate and walk rate. By the end of the season, your Reds had relegated him to the bullpen. And for any other pitcher, a drop-off like that can signal, you know, did he have a severe arm injury? They said that, according to, to Baseball Savant, his average fastball velocities were in line with his career numbers. So all of a sudden, he got lit up. I think he threw 11 shutout innings to start this season. Then he got lit up for nine earned in his third start. Tucker Barnhart actually suggested that he was tipping his pitches. And if he was, the San Francisco Giants coaching staff can uh, help alleviate those issues. Disco DeSclafani. Yeah, man. One of the best in MLB. Since the start of June, he is my party like a Roth star because he's he cashed in on the one year six mil and it's working.
2: Couple reds that went out to San Francisco. Kurt Casale's had a solid year for them behind the dish and Kevin Galsman, former red for a small amount of time too, has really put together a solid year. Low underrated team, man, that has really kept it rolling for the first half
1: of the season out there in the bay. NBA Finals, Game 3. We still got a series. Rothman and Ice on the fan. If you
0: miss a Buckeye game, it's because your radio is in tune to the right place. Always and forever, your are home for the Buckeyes. The fan. Ohio's sports destination. If you are not kind to animals, humane agent Rothman will kick your ass. Humanely. This is Rothman and
1: Ice. Welcome back. Our number two flying by here at Kinsale Golf and Fitness Club. As they're out there swinging the sticks for the Buckeye Crews for Cancer and the Urban Shelley Meyer Fund for Cancer Research at the James. Nice to have everybody out here supporting the cause. Real dudes are working though, working on the air, working for a living. Mm. Uh, Milwaukee Bucks. You know, on Friday you were out, and I didn't, I didn't mess around with the spread. I think spread was four and a half. I just took him on the money line. I, I wasn't going to fool around with that. They were down two out of the nets. They won four out of five. I'm not saying they're going to win this series. I think you and I still believe the Suns will win the series. But I did grab something last week that I thought was was smart. I grabbed a little taste of Giannis winning the MVP at four and a half to one. And the reason I did that it was a little bit of heart bet in that because I, I want Milwaukee to win. But I also felt like if they could come back and win it. He's going to win MVP. Like, I don't see anyone else winning MVP besides him. No. And so at four and a half to one, I thought, okay, if, why don't you put a little money where your heart is and, and do that? So I did that at four and a half to one. So that's still alive because you know what he did the other night. And the dude was, you know, he was, he was just, he was a beast. And he's going to have to continue to be that way. That second quarter was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll go through it. There were a lot of keys to to winning that game last night. And we knew, and and you even mentioned it, that their really good players had to be better around him, which they were, which we'll get to. They really had to cut down on those corner threes that that the Suns like to set up for. And I also said to J. Lou on, on Friday that... Let's give a little bit for, like, road gym and maybe guys get a little chilly on the road. Like, little a tight, little bit. A little tight, little not, cold. Not right. crazy bad, but, I mean, let's call them a call them a, a little pepper because they're getting a little chilly. And I feel like that I had to give a little bit for that. The, they, they leaned heavily on Giannis in their defense to battle back in, in a lot of series. And he comes off a, a pretty impressive game, too. And so, they. by the way, here's the other thing that, that people weren't – and, and I understand why, because of how good the Suns look. But the Bucks lost only once this entire postseason at home. And Middleton and Holiday both coming off very bad or average shooting performances. You had to think that coming back home, that you couldn't go down 3-0. and Whatever their best was, yeah. you were going to get it. And you got that last night. Now, the key to it, and I know you're going to talk about this as well, Aiton was so good in the first half. I mean, he was so good for the Suns, rolling to the rim, posting up smaller dudes, facing up Giannis. Middies, he had the mid range, yeah, had everything. That's going. right, because he he turned and faced yes, up Giannis, he did. but he got into that foul trouble, mm-hmm. and it changed everything in the third. So what we talked about after I believe game
2: one, when Dario Sarge went down, was now Monty Williams has to go to Frank Kaminsky at the five, and that ain't great if you're Phoenix because Frank Kaminsky. His NBA career has not looked anywhere close to what we saw when he was in college. So now that put Monty Williams in a tough spot. And yesterday you had to go to a Cam Johnson at the five type of lineup because you don't have Dario Sarge, who you can trust to be a bigger Mm -hmm. body to go up against Giannis. And Giannis was just punishing. Cam Johnson and punishing Mikkel Bridges. And Mikkel Bridges is a heck of a defender in the league. These guys aren't slouches on defense, but Giannis is that strong and that good and that athletic that he is going to get his against those guys. So that's a little hidden thing that's starting to show a little bit. Maybe a chink in the armor of Phoenix was the loss of Dario Saric and not not trusting Frank Kaminsky to play. But a guy that we called out after the first couple of games was Drew Holiday. And when Phoenix cuts that game down to four AR and he has that moment of three after three after three, that was such a huge sign for them because you knew Phoenix was going to come back and make some type of run. But Drew Holiday, who has been in the spotlight for a yeah. lot of negative reasons for Milwaukee, stepped up and he delivered, did. and that's why I called him out because I know he can do that. On defense, he's always mm-hmm. going to have the handcuffs out there, but offensively he has to be what we saw yesterday for Milwaukee if they want to get back and be the last team standing. And I thought that was the critical moment of the game right there is when the Suns cut it to four, Drew Holiday stepped up and said, uh-uh, we ain't going out like
1: that. I'm glad you mentioned him. 21 points, 5 of 10 on three. He was back home shooting with confidence. Uh, I like the fact that Tucker and Connaughton took on Chris Paul to allow him to maybe not have the whole night running ragged trying mm-hmm. to to, mm-hmm. to D up Paul I, I because I think that's only going to help his shot. I loved what Bobby Portis did, the 11 points, the 8 rebounds off the bench. He's the energy guy, gave him 18 good minutes, yeah. uh, hit a corner three. He's running the floor for follow jams. Um, Tucker was tracking down some offensive rebounds. The final nine minutes of the second quarter, when you thought it's not crazy late in the game, but it's late in the series, yeah. now you're back home. You're trailing. It's the second quarter. Mm-hmm. You're already down 2-0. The fact that they put a 30-9 to run on them, 12-19 from the field, three threes, no turnovers. The Suns were 0-5 in that stretch. That's what really kind of won the game. Although in the third quarter got tight again because your guy Cam Johnson started to heat up again. He can go, man. That and dude can go. He really did, and it was a, it was it was nice to see. I thought Middleton was getting some space on the perimeter um, when they screen for him. Nobody really pops out the challenge for the Suns. I thought there was a lazy box out by Booker on an air ball by Connaughton. Giannis was going coast to coast, which he had to do. But Holidays, you mentioned, was fantastic assisting and passing the basketball uh great on Booker I'm glad you mentioned that that's what he because does he pesters him that's what he does and that's what they need to do so last night a couple uh keys for me one which is which is what they had they were plus eight on free throws. Versus the Suns. Mm-hmm. That's which, one, and one dude got there 17 times. Do you know who that is? Which, by the way, Ma- Monty Williams took to the podium after the game
2: and addressed that. The same thing that we heard coming from the Bucks camp after game two about the free throw disparity between those two teams as well. So that's a coaching kind of savvy move right there to put that mm-hmm. out there in the universe and make the rest aware that, hey, we ain't happy with how
1: this thing was officiated. Plus 15 on threes. Plus 15 points on threes, yep. plus 8 points at the free throw line. Uh, I'm no math whiz, but 23 points on free throws and threes the against the hottest shooting team in the league in the Suns yeah. and a team that kills you at the line as well was was absolutely big. So when, when I watched that game last night, it was something that I thought uh, they could do. Um, I didn't think they were out of the series. You had to wait. That home crowd certainly was going to help them. Aiton's foul trouble helped them. And then, obviously, Drew Holiday and Giannis played as big as they had to.
2: So, I cannot wait to see the response from Devin Booker. Because Mm -hmm. this is the young guy, and he's going to be around for a long time and have a ton of success in the league but this is the first time in the series where he got punched in the mouth where he couldn't go out there and do exactly what he wanted to do on any single possession and it's guys like you mentioned Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, Giannis guys that are all a part of these all defensive teams that Milwaukee can throw at you now you've got a different look thrown at you as a young guy how are you going to respond and the thing that I didn't love about Devin Booker's game yesterday AR was the amount of threes he was taking because we talked about it early on in the series how great he is in the mid-range and for whatever reason he was settling from the outside, took fourteen shots in that game. Seven of them were from three. Now part of that could be uh the Bucks with their offensive game plan and not allowing those guys to get into the paint like we talked about with the drop coverage and all of that. But Book obviously struggled yesterday and Monty said, hey, we're gonna put you down for the fourth quarter here and we're gonna let you just watch. And we're going to f- have you figure it out when the clock hits triple zeros and we got to go back to the hotel room and lock in for the next game. He's got an amazing ability to put the ball in the hole. But for whatever reason, yesterday, he obviously struggled. And I think it's credit mm-hmm. to what Milwaukee was able to do to get him out of that mid-range area and yep. say, no, beat us from this point. Don't beat us from your strongest area on the floor.
1: It's their strength, man. Their defense is their strength. And they had to take somebody away. And I'm glad. I hope they keep going at Aiden because he was eating them up in the first half. You don't get him into foul trouble. He's a problem. Uh, he is a He's monster. a big, big problem. No doubt. And when Cam Johnson went nuts in the third and cut that thing to four, I thought, okay, now we got to see the Bucks again. And like Monty said, I'm glad you brought up, Monty, when you're taking the ball out of your own net a lot, you have to play against a set defense. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, that's the obvious, right? Yeah. The Bucks were making shots. They were putting the ball in the basket. Yeah. And so it doesn't allow the Suns to do what they love to do. So, I mean, by the end, I mean, Connaughton reigning that three at the end of the third that put him up twenty two. <laughs> yeah. That's ball game at that point. Even yeah. in an NBA game, you got to think that's ball game. But when Phoenix went small, trying to limit the supporting cast, let Giannis do do what he's going to do. Mm-hmm. Aiton got his fourth foul early third. Suns go zone. Didn't box out well, I didn't think. Nobody knows when to rotate when they packed the paint. Right. And they got a little confused, and Milwaukee made them pay. And credit to Coach
2: Budenholzer to going to the Giannis at the 5 lineup for large stretches mm-hmm. of the game. Now, who knows if he'll be able to do that for an entire series or an entire game even, but that absolutely worked for them because that gets Giannis in that pick-and-roll action, even as the screener sometimes takes the ball out of his hands and puts the defense in a very difficult spot. So I like that adjustment from them as well. But, man, I, we can't leave this segment without talking about my guy, Cam Johnson, Mm -hmm. dunking on, just dunking all over my guy from the dotted line. He is a special role player. He's going to make some really good money in the league. But this is a young team now that just got punched in the gut. Mm -hmm. And now we're going to see, because that atmosphere is going to be cranked up even more. And I tell you what, AR, outside of a Game 7, Game 4s are it for me. When you're in a 2-1 situation like this, because Phoenix still smells a little bit of blood... And Milwaukee, obviously, is still desperate to keep their season alive, alive because they know if they go down 3-1 and have to go back out to the desert, yeah. it's absolutely a wrap for them. So this is it for me. I love these moments in these series. Game fours are it out of game sevens. I don't think there's anything better when you got this 2-1 scenario staring, staring us in the face.
1: It's the same feeling you should have. Milwaukee should have a similar feeling of importance. It is the NBA Finals, of course. But to your point... Will they have the same desperation now that they just got a dub? Mm-hmm. Will they play the same way? I would I would answer that and say yes, they and I, will. And I don't
2: think we're getting another bad game out of Devin Booker, and I would be surprised if we see DeAndre Ayton in that same foul trouble that we saw him in. So if I'm Phoenix, I'm still confident in what we're going to do. Like you said, we knew we were going to get Milwaukee's best shot in that game. Milwaukee's it was do best. or die. It was do or die. That's right. You want to shotgun some Milwaukee's exactly. That's right now. <laughs> but no, I thought it was a heck of a response from Milwaukee. Phoenix did not yeah. lay down. But this next game is it. This is the series to me in this next game, the way it swings. If Milwaukee grabs a hold of this thing, obviously Phoenix still has home court. Right. But you get a little tight because of this. Because Giannis... He looks healthy, man, and as
1: these games roll
2: along, he seems like he is getting better and better.
1: Keep playing physical, man. Yeah, I know he likes to hang out there and show that he can shoot the deep ball. I'm not into it. I don't think he needs it. He can't shoot from out there consistent enough. Get in there and just wreck things Mm -hmm. because he, on the offensive glass, is a beast, and 50-50 balls they were getting. Um, now. The son still have Chris Paul and Crowder, so they still have dudes that that have experience. But and it was one of the rare over unders, by the way, that I hit this weekend. I was kind of the the over under that I actually was was uh, most proud of was taking Booker under twenty five and a half.
2: Really? Yeah, That's because, a good call baby. because
1: I just thought going on the road, yeah? he had just hit seven threes mm-hmm. at home, and he fell and in love cup, with man, it. and he fell in he love with it. Cool off a hair. And how about this for Giannis? Great sign. 13-17
2: to 17 from the free throw line? Now, I know it's yeah. not that same road atmosphere where the crowd is counting down oh. up to 10 and all that stuff, yeah. but that's a thorn in their side, game in and game out, is the points that he leaves at the line, and yeah. for him to do that is such a great thing for
1: Milwaukee. 41 points, got a, got him MVP at plus 450, which I'm very proud of That's it's still alive. 41 points, 13 rebounds. Let me just put Giannis um, to bed here. Total points... In his first three career NBA final games, total points, first three. What do you got? Rick Barry, one hundred twenty-two. Allen Iverson, one hundred six. Uh, Reed at one hundred four. Giannis at one hundred three. That means he's better in that category. Than one Michael Jeffrey Jordan. The dude is special. And he hasn't
2: even fully rounded out his game, which should be a terrifying thought for the league with the accolades and the stats that this dude has already racked You and I
1: have loved this series. We love these two teams getting there. I think it's great for the NBA. Now we just need it to really be a series. Now we really need Milwaukee to win again and get this thing to go the distance. We'll come back. Speaking of hoops, uh, an Ohio State Buckeye opening some eyes this past weekend we'll tell you who and what it means next rothman and ice on the fan
0: season ticket holder from day one us two now and forever your flagship home of the columbus blue jackets the fan ohio sports destination just a couple of guys whose love for fantasy sports may exceed their love for real sports this is rothman and ice
1: and a couple dudes prioritizing their health which is now more important than ever Build your immune system, address any chronic health issues you may have, and I will recommend Low T Center to you. I'm talking to you guys out there, mid-30s, 40s, over 50 for sure. They exclusively specialize in men's wellness and follow strict medical guidelines, health, safety, and they're one of the leading men's medical providers in the country now. Low T Center has reinvented the doctor's visit. You know how much we hate that. Uh, They'll make it quick and easy. You'll get all your levels checked, not just your testosterone. Starts with their annual wellness exam where they do a comprehensive health assessment so you know all the numbers important to your health. You know I've been harping on this, and I will continue to do it. Got back my blood work, best I've had. Best I have had. And it means a lot moving forward. So go get it. So if you've been feeling tired, grumpy, you've noticed a little weight gain, I know it can be discouraging to just get started. Well, go get your number so you have a baseline so you can figure it out at Low T Center because they can determine the cause and they can help you. And if you need the help, they offer monitored self-injected home testosterone treatments. They'll pro- provide convenience and additional health monitoring measures for your safety. You need to take home blood pressure monitoring cuff. They'll give you that. Self-injected home treatments, only 135 a month for self-pay are covered by most health insurance. Low T Center, that's key. Most insurance is accepted. So no more excuses. Book your annual wellness exam today. Go to LowTCenter.com, Low-T Center Reinventing Men's healthcare. Care. Uh, you enlightened me about an Ohio State Buckeye that had himself a little weekend with the round ball. A couple of guys, couple of young guys that are probably going to be in the spotlight a
2: lot for us this upcoming basketball season because I think the biggest question surrounding the squad is That Dwayne Washington left behind, which is such an important thing on a nightly basis as a guy that you can rely on to go out and get your buckets. Now, maybe it won't be one guy. Maybe it'll come from a couple of guys. Two young guys that are definitely going to be in the mix is going to be Mitchy Johnson and Malachi Branham. And there was the Kingdom Summer League going down this weekend where there were some former Buckeyes in the house. D'Angelo Russell was there, and these guys were getting after current guys on the team as well, Justin Arns, Kyle Young. You can check out some of the videos online. But what came out of this thing, A.R., was the young guy, the true freshman in Malachi Branham, he dropped 40 points in this thing. Now, this is an open run, and we don't know if these guys were really locking in defensively like they will be on a nightly basis within the Big Ten, but that little flash that everybody got to see this weekend inside of that gym from the young guy that was going up against veteran guys, guys that have played in the NBA, current guys playing in the NBA, and a guy like D'Angelo Russell, that is special stuff right there. Now, I don't want to put all the pressure on him to really be able to go out and do that every single night. But it's there. Mm -hmm. He's got that in his bag for Chris Holtman to use. And now with Dwayne obviously not being there, he is going to have to showcase some of that. So the Buckeye Basketball Streets right now are coming out of this weekend very excited about some of the things they've seen and some of the things that they've read about Michi Johnson in one Malachi Brennan.
1: So here's the deal on Michi, and I, I think that he's, in a way, you can say ahead of schedule. Because of what he was forced to do last year, with with you know Walker and Soto's getting injured, yeah. and the fact that he had to get thrown into it before he probably even thought he would. Right. We uh, remember that game, uh, the win over Northwestern, where he you know scored some, had a, had eleven really solid minutes. Um, and so, when you get those type of minutes, that young in your career, um, all of a sudden. There's a there's a situation where you feel like, Okay, I I gotta go and I'm not waiting and he didn't wait and so you kind of you know, you're throwing him in mid year, it's a young dude, he joined the team, what, mm-hmm. in December? Yeah. And hey man, go in there and play some minutes in in, in the big ten. This isn't nothing. This is one Heck of perhaps of the best the no be, best in the country. No doubt. And so I love that because what it allows him to do And by the way, if you're also going to be a floor general as well, Mm -hmm. it's not like you just go in there, oh, yeah, get open, spot up, whatever, do some, you know, you've got to learn systems defensively and offensively. So the fact that Coach Holtman was able to lean on him last year and he came through, all of a sudden now, Michi Johnson is a guy that. Um, should be really, really confident. He was fearless anyway, but he should be really confident coming into this year.
2: And I saw the video that was out there online where Michi, I think maybe even put it out from his own Twitter handle, about a minute clip of you know highlights from this summer league that these guys were getting busy at. And the bag that he showed Mm -hmm. was great. In and out dribbles, behind the back, mid-range. It looked like he was even sprinkling in some three-pointers as well. But I think the big thing for Michi is going to be The control of the rock, the lack of turnovers, because we know Jamari Wheeler's a guy that's played, obviously, within the conference. He knows what this is going to look like as far as the pressure you have to deal with and you have the the basketball in your hand for that amount of time. But if this does turn into Coach Holtman really trusting Michi with a Mm -hmm. ton of minutes as a young guy, he's just got to take care of the basketball because I always think he's going to be a guy that has a really good skill set to be able to put the ball in the basket to what level. That's wait and see for all of us. But, man, that's it because he's going to have an opportunity here, and if the coaches are going to trust him in crucial moments to take care of the Rock, I think that's going to be so beneficial for him early on in his career.
1: Well, you know, when you're the point guard, there are times, even on a good team, where you feel like you've got to lead them. You've got to carry them. You have to be the dude that they look to. And, like I said, he was never short of confidence. Nope. But the fact that his confidence didn't get stunted when he was thrown in earlier than he thought he would, right. because that may have been a, an aha moment like, okay, I'm no longer uh, a high school player, right. a great high school player. Now, because, and, and believe me, if, if he did struggle early, I, you could spin that positive too. You could say that, okay, now, now you got your an wake up call. Lesson. Yeah. So you'd rather have it the way he got it, which is, you know, playing well. So he's a, he's a young dude. I think he takes coaching pretty well from what I've heard. I think he looks up to the older dudes on the team Mm -hmm. and he takes stuff from them pretty well. So he he can be a really well-rounded dude.
2: And if he doesn't win the starting job, maybe if you're Coach Holtman, you get him in kind of that sixth, seventh man window there and allow him to be a spark plug for you off the bench, the way we've seen kind of campaign be that guy for the Phoenix Suns, where he comes in and he can heat up really quick, and then you can transition maybe back to a Jamari Wheeler or maybe who you trust more in that situation. But I think both of these guys have really, really good talent. But Malachi may be the guy on the wing that has more on his plate right away
1: because he's looking right now  – a starting spot that's available. Yeah. We'll get more on that from Colin Hill from 11 Warriors. He'll jump on. And said Russell, the transfer that comes in as an upperclassman, the impact he can make and where will he fit next? Rothman and Ice on the fan.
0: So much soccer, your head will explode inside the crew. Tuesday night at 8. Proud to be your flagship home for crew soccer. The fan, Ohio Sports Destination. They're both former athletes for a reason. Good thing they can talk sports. You're listening to Rothman and Ice. All
1: right, welcome back in. Having a good time out here at the Signature Cabinetry Fan Golf Classic presented by Delta Dental of Ohio and Logan AC and Heat Services. Our friend Colin Haas-Hill ready to go on the bright heating and cooling systems fan guest hotline, Ohio State football and b-ball reporter at 11 Warriors. Colin, good to have you back. Always happy to be on with you guys let's uh, let's go to hoops because I think that you know having EJ come back certainly was integral it had to happen for any kind of feel for this to be a top 20 team solidified you had to have him come back he did but I think the news uh, you know prior to the weekend with Russell transferring in um, what do you like about this kid and do you feel like he will make an impact right away
4: Yeah, I I think it was an an important addition. Like I I really did wonder about their guard situation before they added him, just because you're you're thinking about the the total uncertainty you have in the backcourt with with Dwayne Washington gone. And I don't know that I would say, you know, Cedric Russell, it's not like he's a one-for-one replacement for Dwayne Washington. I don't think that that's fair. But if you look at what he does, like a lot of what he does well is some stuff that that I think Dwayne did well that, you know, I think is going to be important for Ohio State to have, and that's that, you know they had very similar usage rates. They had very similar points per game, rebounds per game, percentages both from two and three. Um, that they're they're very similar players, and that they can get their own shot a little bit, and they can shoot it very well from deep. And I think that that's where Ohio State's going to be able to to you know get help from Cedric Russell immediately because he's not he, you know he's not a distributor. Uh, that's not what Ohio State's going to ask him to do. They they need a little bit more scoring, and they wanted. You know they wanted a little bit more of a of a safety blanket at a, at the guard position now that Dwayne left, and I think that they got one in, in Cedric Russell.
2: Colin, before we brought you on, man, we were kind of reacting to some of the stuff uh, from this weekend. When you know, Michi Johnson throws out a nice little highlight video, uh, reading some stuff about Malachi Branham dropping forty points in this thing. But I want to ask you about Michi Johnson because. We saw you know a handful of minutes from him. It felt like when he was playing for Ohio State last year, but maybe that was a good thing for him. What type of role do you envision him having on this year's team? Yeah, I mean, I've heard a lot of positive things. I think that if we're sitting here today on, on July twelfth, you
4: know, I would I would project him as a starter for Ohio State. And I don't know if I, w- I would have said that when Jamari Wheeler initially transferred to Ohio State, but I, but I think from what I've heard. You know, I think Michi Johnson is is well within that that's well within his capability. Um, and, and I do think last season was so, so very important for him uh, because he he didn't really play that much at all. Um, and and they essentially treated it as a redshirt year where you know the 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 eligibility didn't count because the NCAA allowed all winter athletes to you know have an, have an entire year where their eligibility was was preserved. So he still has four years at, at Ohio State that he can play. And he got to learn behind Dwayne Washington. He got to learn behind C.J. Walker. Now that they're gone, you know, I think he could become a, a starter for Ohio State this season, which is, you know, it's going to be exciting. I, You know, this is – you have a couple bridge players, I would call them, and, and Jamari Wheeler and Jimmy Sotos and, and Cedric Russell. And then you also have Malachi Branham and Meechee Johnson, who I think are going to have big, big roles this season. And then, you know, the following year after that, you know, those are – two of the guys who I would say are going to determine just how good Ohio State is. They could be the two best players on the team.
1: Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned um, Malachi Branham because you have to feel like maybe his talent is almost too good to keep him off the floor. Um, how do you feel about his impact and what Chris Holtman is going to expect of him to contribute?
4: Yeah, I mean, I think it's telling, one, that you know he's going to wear the number 22, at Ohio State, which is hanging in the Raptors for Jim Jackson. I mean, you don't give that to somebody who you're not expecting to come in and be an impact player. And I do think from everything you've heard about Ohio State and and Malachi Branham ever since they were recruiting him to to right now, you know, they really like what he can become long-term and also, you know, right away. I mean, he was a borderline five-star prospect coming out of high school, Um, and and I think he can add some of that scoring punch. You know, he's a guy who – It's not like he's going to be creating or taking as many shots as Dwayne Washington did last year. But one of my questions is, you know, shot clock running down, like, who can create his own shot? Like, I think Malachi, I don't know if he's going to be the best on the team at doing that in year one as a freshman, but I think he could be. I think he's going to be one of the best on the team at, at getting his own buckets.
2: Getting EJ back huge, Kyle Young veteran presence back huge, but you got some new additions down there, uh, down in the post, at least from the transfer portal with Brunk coming in, and we saw Zed Key, and he obviously had some good flashes. That big rotation, your your feel on maybe how that plays out uh, when we get close to the season.
4: I think I think the intricacies are really difficult because there are a lot of guys there, and you know there are only so many minutes that you can play them. I think that the the simplest. The simplest part of it right now is it does seem like, um, for the vast majority of the time, it will be Zedke and Joey Brunk at the five at the center. Um, and I, and I like what I saw in a last season. Um, and I think that he has a, you know, he can be a really impactful Ohio State player as his, as his career goes on. Um, and, you know, my questions sort of begin at the four because E.J. Liddell is going to primarily play the four, but you also have Kyle Young and you also have Seth Towns and you also have Justice Stewing for those three, four positions. And I don't hundred percent know how that's going to shake out. I mean, you also have a guy like Justin Orange, who can play the three. You also have Gene Brown, who, you know, if he has a strong off season, maybe he could play some minutes at the three. So I think those three, four spots are going to get really, really crowded for Ohio state, especially when you know you're going to be playing EJ, you know, 32 plus minutes a game. And Kyle Young as a, as a fifth year senior, um, and, and just Sewing as a fifth year senior, like those guys are going to play a lot of minutes. So I think those are going to get a little crowded, but, it's the good kind of crowded. If you're Ohio State, I mean, you have a lot of experienced, talented guys there um, for for however many minutes you can get them in.
1: All right, let's talk about suing I'm glad you, you brought him up and and what they expect of him. Uh, Coach Holtman has said a lot that it's uh, that it was a kind of a defensive liability to have EJ and Zed in the game at the same time. Um, the smaller, you know, active lineup will be one that, that's going to give him better defense. Um, how much do you feel? Is, is in Justice's game to take that to the next level? I think that's a big question. Um, I, because a lot of it last year was, you know, effort.
4: Effort has to improve and, and focus, and those kinds of things have to improve. And it's just hard to know from a year-to-year basis, like how much better are you going to get in those things? Um, because I do, you know, he shot 36% from three, and I don't think that that's necessarily going to get, you know, much better that season. 54 um, percent from two, which was better than what he did at, at Cal both of those seasons. You know, I think percentage wise, offensively, he was he was pretty solid. Um, but he is the guy who, you know, Chris Holton was saying the entirety of last season, he was the he was the best athlete on on Ohio State, um, including everybody on the team. And, and I always thought that that was a little bit interesting because sometimes you wouldn't really guess that about Justice. Um, but I do think when he's locked in, he's really really good. But I think that that's that's one of those hard things to project is is how much better can you get when when a lot of those things that you're trying to improve are are focus and effort level and um, trying trying to maintain that for 25 to 30 minutes a game.
2: Where do you see Seth Towns fitting into this thing? Obviously, I think for a lot of us, it's just how healthy can he be. But, man, I'll tell you what, when we saw him you know, in very small sample sizes last year, there's something about his game I like. And he's a veteran guy that's been around college football for a hot minute now. Do you see him more of as a role guy this year? like, And what type of role do you envision him having if he, were, if he is going to come off the bench?
4: Yeah, I think, I think the, the reason everybody likes him is because like when you watch him shoot, like that, that his shot is unbelievably pretty. Yeah. Like he, he, it's pretty, pretty evident what he can do. But I mean, it all comes back to health. I mean, it's, that's the, that's the thing about Seth is the past four years, whether whether we were talking about Harvard basketball or Ohio State basketball, it's always been when's he going to get healthy? Because if he's healthy, you know, that's a guy who you look at and you wonder, like, could he potentially start for Ohio State? But but he's a guy who I do wonder um, just how many minutes he'll be able to play. Even, even if he is healthy, because you have, uh, you know, he's a guy who could play the three or the four, but, you know, you have suing Kyle Young uh, and E.J. Liddell there already. Um, so I do think he's going to be squeezed a little bit for minutes if he is healthy, but, you know, it, if he can get on the court, I mean, he's a guy who can shoot 42, 43% from three. I mean, he was the Ivy League player of the year. I mean, for him, it all comes back to health and it's the same question we've been asking. Um, but, it's, it's the most pertinent question. It's the question you have to ask because it changes everything about the projection of them.
1: Good stuff with our friend Colin Haas-Hill from 11 Warriors. Colin, good to have you on, man. Be well. We'll talk to you again soon. Absolutely. Y'all have a good one. Yeah, it's good stuff with Ohio State basketball. And EJ obviously coming back, Matt. He's everything to this team. Um, but but there'll be some dudes around him that can create and, and make this a, a really tough team in the Big Ten. What I like is the
2: blend of young guys that are obviously talented and veteran guys that have been around. Now, obviously, Dwayne would have been the cherry on top, but when you zoom out from that for a second and you look at what Chris Holtman has at his disposal, there's talent everywhere, and there's guys that are not going to get shy when the moment gets too big, and there's young guys that are hungry and ready to get busy. So regardless of how you felt about the Dwayne Washington decision, now that we're here in the conversation we had with with Colin Right there, to me is you got a lot that you can go to is just how consistent is that going to be and
1: can any of those guys get to the level of Dwayne on a nightly basis always a a interesting time when you want to wear the number that you wore in high school and you've got to wear it at a a pretty strong list of uh, dudes that have worn it at their school. And that's the case here at Ohio State. Yeah. We'll tell you about that next in the Buckeye Bulletin. Rothman
0: and Ice on the fan. Keeping you entertained with our vast selection of hot takes and play-by-play for over 25 years. Proud to be your home of the Buckeyes, the fan, Ohio sports destination. Rothman and Ice present... Buckeye
5: in. Sponsored by Logan AC and Heat Services. Don't go through another air conditioner breakdown. For fast, friendly service, call the experts at Logan Services now for a free estimate and next day air installation.
1: All right, Buckeye Bolton time. A lot of buzz around the Akron native Malachi Branham coming in, 6'4", Buck 80, and he's expected to contribute in a big way as a freshman, and who knows, maybe he will be one of their best shooters, best athletes, best skill guys when when it's all said and done after the season is over. Um, Let's go to the number. So he's going to wear 22. Deuce, deuce. And the double deuce, not Roadhouse, but the fact that he is going to go double deuce is pretty amazing. And this didn't happen by him just saying, well, I want it. And when, when a dude like Jim Jackson, um, when it's up in the rafters and it's pseudo-retired and you got to ask permission, and then the dude that I covered, Silky22, hmm. Mike Red, also wore it, then all of a sudden, uh, a lot of responsibility there. So Jimmy's jersey was one of five that's been retired, pseudo-retired. Havlicek, Lucas, uh, Evan Turner, Gary Brads have had their numbers retired. I uh, and- And so, he did uh, tell the Columbus Dispatch that Chris Holtman did call Jim Jackson and asked him about wearing 22, and that Branham had to write a letter Hmm. to thank him for allowing him to wear it, which you'd want to do anyway. No doubt. Um, And he says he plans to write it soon. Uh, Quote, it's a big responsibility. Jimmy Jackson, Michael Red. So a lot of good players wore 22. I'm trying to be the next one. It's a lot of work I've got to put into it, but I think I'm ready for it. Love that. Uh, it's really nice that – because it's a tough spot. It's a tough spot for Jim Jackson and Michael Red and, a, and, a, and, a, and one that's a number that's in the rafters to ask for that one. Um, and so good on JJ for saying, you know what? Go wear it with my stamp of approval. Live yeah. up to the dudes that have worn it before you and maybe I can help my alma mater a little bit by inspiring you because you'll get your number.
2: I think it is really cool that he signed off on that. And, you know, this to me, A.R., takes me into the mind of a Malachi Branham a little bit here as far as his confidence, Mm -hmm. right, to want that number, to step up to this campus and say, hey – I know those numbers are very very serious numbers here within the program but I want to be the next guy and for a true freshman to step into a program and put that own weight on his own shoulders is pretty telling to me and maybe that takes us into you know the mind of him on the floor at court as well that he won't be a back down type of guy which is exactly what we saw from Dwayne Washington was didn't matter what defense you threw at him didn't matter what defender you threw at him he was going to try to do what he does best which is fill up the rock so I like that and that takes me into his mind uh, just a little bit there and also was checking some stuff out there with the new transfer coming in with Cedric Russell he wore zero at Louisiana and now Michi Johnson the young dude is holding on to number zero so we'll see what happens there but no I I love when veteran guys or veteran guys within a locker room uh, allow guys to get their number. We just saw this with A.J. Brown and Julio and how much respect was between those two guys, and it's great to see uh, veteran guys that represented Ohio State, and Jimmy J. and Michael Red, signing off on this for the young fella. Now he's got pressure on his shoulders, A.R., but he says he's ready and he knows the responsibility that comes with it, so I'm sure he'll be just fine.
1: Well, it's Michi's number, zero. Like, said, can't have that. You can't transfer in and, and, and get it.
2: No, and this is well It's already well, done well, I and mean, well, dude's been wearing on. it. What about NIL now? There's a little money that you can throw at your teammate if you really need so it. Yeah. A little money you could throw at your
1: teammate if you really need so it. Hey, Instead Michi. of like
2: corporations paying players have payers hey, paying players. Nietzsche, I got some of this coin for you, man. How you feeling about coming you? off number well, zero?
1: I'm not gonna begrudge Michi if he says, Hey, what what it's worth what's it worth to you? Yeah. That's fine. No doubt. Hey guys, we've paying already enough, had
6: a number zero Russell, so
1: no, no, what I mean is, CB, is that he's already been wearing it.
6: No, I was right? joking. I mean, we've already had a number zero Russell before, so why do we need another one? Oh, there you go. I got gotcha. you. Comedian oh. CB is here. Okay. <laughs> He'll
2: wow. be here all week, folks. Yeah. He
6: will be here okay. all week. I like his CB. So
2: this I'm not guy's a
1: total here. Zero. Well, let me tell you the story of another loser. Um, All right, what else you got for me? I got
2: another commit, another day, another commit for Ryan Day and company. Another four-star guy coming in. Colorado offensive lineman George Fitzpatrick, which just sounds like an offensive line name there. He's in the 2022 class, AR, out of Colorado, Greenwood Village, Colorado. 6'6", uh, six, six, 285 mm. so Coach Studd getting another good one it looks like and if, look if you're an offensive player I don't care what position you play you're going to have Ohio State on your radar because you know the quarterback the wide receivers and everybody's going to make everybody look good and last year they had a heck of an offensive line this year they're going to have another really good offensive line and this guy has seen what the development of certain guys have looked like under Coach Stud
1: and all the other coaches here at Ohio State and he wants to be the next guy to join the party. Well he doesn't know how to lose because he went through high school with what 35 and 2 record, that's not bad. Like, so he's coming to Ohio State, he knows what's going on here, so he's got the right mentality. But I mean, you start to think to yourself, 6'6, 285, Maddie, uh, how far we could have gone in life with those stats. Oh, my goodness, man! I would have been playing in the NBA Finals, that's what I would have done. Been a so, you would have taken there. a 6'6, 280, 285 pound frame. Into the, onto the hardcore. I don't
2: know if I'd have been 285. I probably would have wanted to get down to about 230, about 240, be a
1: little more agile
2: out there on no, the No, no, I'm saying
1: you have to take the
2: 285-pound. I think you i get busy stats. out there. I'm about yeah. a little 3-4 out there on the wing. It's a paint plugger, though. No, I want to be it. on the
1: perimeter. The paint stuff's too boring. Sure. Get out there And the it perimeter. takes too much effort. No doubt. Just splash. Just and hang you know, out. Just make it rain. Just make it rain. That is today's Buckeye Bulletin. All right. We come back. We do a Sports Center update. And then we dive into the weekend it was in baseball because, boy, those Reds, man. they The worst thing that happened to Cincinnati Reds, that an all-star break came, uh, came calling. Right. We'll handle that next, plus home run derby. Rothman and Ice on the fan.
0: Most shows just skim the surface, but Rothman and Ice feel like the biggest story of the day deserves a closer look. It's time for A Deeper Dive.
5: Sponsored by United Dairy Farmers. Miss filling up before gas prices went up? Get UDF Slow price lock with U-Drive.
1: All right, welcome back in. Third hour already. Rothman and Ice here at the... Signature cabinetry fan golf classic presented by Delta Dental of Ohio and Logan AC and Heat Services. Just saw a couple dudes walking out with some Archie Griffin autographed Ohio mm. State football. So mm. clearly they cashed in. We've got a lot of stuff that you can actually bid on. Ohio State, Penn State tickets, Ohio State Duke basketball tickets. Ooh, that's hot. Uh, We got all those uh, autographed items, the memorabilia from uh, Eddie George and Zeke and Ryan Day and Chase Young and a lot of other dudes. And you do not have to be here to win them or to buy them, rather. You can bid now at 971thefan.com slash auction, and it all benefits the James Cancer Hospital. So jump on in, and you can support us without even being here. Uh, You were out of town this weekend and, understandably so, checked off the grid for your Cincinnati Reds. And you missed a wild weekend, my friend. I heard. Your boys are four back yeah. at the break. Yeah, it feels great. And I'll give you a little bit about what it is. So Saturday night, um, you guys were down one zip. Our boy Casty is up. Freddie Peralta misses low on the outside corner. Would have been strike three. Uh, instead, called a ball. And now you get a full count with two on. Same exact pitch. 83. But this time, he hung it in the zone. Yeah. And Casty punished it. You hang it, we bang it. Yeah, 3-1 now. Great ending in that game on Saturday night because Yelich tried to bunt his way on. And Gutierrez had a had a, kind of a wild throw to first. Yelich made a flinch towards second. And I mean it was a flinch. And I went back and watched it a few times. So his feet were on the outside of the baseline. And when he passed the bag and hit the bag, he then kind of was on the inside of it. And they tagged him out, and he went nuts, and he got tossed. <laughs> and when I first saw it, I thought, okay, that's a bad call. And I don't even know if today if it was, a ba- if it was good or bad, because he really didn't make a move towards second. I mean, I mean, I know what a move towards second is, and so do you. Yeah. This was a, a, a human being <laughs> seeing a throw get by, <laughs> and he didn't even move anyway. I thought they, they got the benefit of it, which is great. And he, got, he went nuts, and they got ejected. So... Then Milwaukee sends Narvaez, the catcher that I just picked up, from first on a ball in the left field corner. And this is 220, just chugging around. And they send him. And, and they gun him down with Barnhart at the plate. All right, so that's that. Then Votto got tossed on a check swing K. Yeah. I mean, this was, this was it felt like playoff type baseball. <laughs> and then 3 3 in the ninth. And now Suarez gets ahead. He's 2 0 on Hayter. All right. This is hater. This is this is nobody. That boy good. Yeah, and he takes him out, and your boys win it. Unreal, unreal. You come back on Sunday. Votto gets the big RBI in the first. Um, Castillo doubled off Adamas with a shot back to the mound Mm -hmm. that he caught in his hip pocket. Um, Brewers then tied it off your boy Ag. Unfortunately, yeah, that's been a problem. Two out RBI in the eighth. And then here we go to the ninth. Base is loaded, 1 0 pitch, and look who's up. Our boy Casty against Hayter again. Yeah. And he tries to throw 98 mm-hmm. by him. <laughs> it's up, and it's just a base knock yep. between the, the bag at second and short. And now our boy Nick Castellanos has 23 ribbies yeah. in the seventh inning or later. Crunch time, baby. He's clutch Casty and he ranks third in that category, and now your boys are four back. So now you're up to date.
2: What a way to end the first half of the year, right? And it's fitting, and it's only right that he does that in that moment against that dude, because you're right. Josh Hader is a problem, man. Twice this when weekend When he comes When he comes out of that door, usually it's a wrap if you're the opposing team, and that's how locked in he has been. And I caught his post-game interview as I got mm-hmm. home yesterday, and – He was dunking on whoever was in the clubhouse on their TV before the game because he said somebody was in there talking blank about our bullpen and he ain't having it so not only has he been balling the dude has shown amazing leadership this year and now he's going to be starting in this all-star game here tomorrow night but this was such a huge series for the Reds we talked about it but when the week started you had Kansas City for a couple games you had to handle business before them then you get seven or eight games against the Brewers they'll come out of this all-star break and get after them again but the feeling of those games games, it reminded me when you... Mention a playoff atmosphere is what we saw in San Diego against the Padres had that same vibe mm-hmm. against a really good team and you go out there and the result was obviously awful you getting swept out of there but they were very competitive it just didn't go their way and now you chip away at this lead at the NL Central and my mind goes to what we talked about is what is this front office going to do are they going to put more talent in mm-hmm. that room to make this team more competitive than what they already are because they've got it man offensively they have it and we're talking about about all these positives with what they've been able to do without even Mike Mustakas in there who's a guy that you're going to put right back yeah. in to the heart of your lineup It can do a ton of damage on a nightly basis so man I was so happy to see the end results of these games now I just cannot wait to see what Castellini and everybody does down there because they are as you're looking down there man like how do you let this go to waste you cannot let this go to waste the team showed you that they are built for these type of series and built for these type of games, you got to go be aggressive, in my opinion, right now. Have to.
1: Well, they, they took advantage of that opportunity this weekend, which is great to see. They made it really tough on their front office, which I love. And that's great. Not that the front office wouldn't have been willing, um, uh. but you're right. They, well, they are going to get some additions that you mentioned to their own team, right? Lorenzen Rensin Rensin maybe come comes back. back.
2: We'll see what that um, looks like. He was getting dunked on everybody, everybody last year because he was wearing those vans out there on the mound. That was pissing a lot of people off. I, but he has been doing some good things in his rehab assignments, it seems, and we'll see. I just, look, I understand Castellanos was upset that people were talking about his guys in that bullpen. But if he's being real with himself, he knows those guys haven't been great this year. They haven't done their job. that spurt
1: of greatness. They have.
2: Recently, they have been really good. But for the most part, this season, it hasn't been anything that you can rely on. So hopefully they address that. Maybe Michael Lorenz is an answer. I know they've been waiting on a couple guys over the last period of time to get healthy as well. But to go on the road and do that? Man, you can't ask for much more yeah. than what
1: they did this weekend. And against that reliever, right. which was big. So, And I mentioned this on Friday when you were out to J. Lou, that you know, management knows what their schedule is. I mean, they over the last couple months, they're going to play over 20 games against the Marlins and the Twins yeah. and the Pirates. Yep. All these teams that are in last place in their respective divisions, they're going to get to play. And so they know that. And it would be a shame if they didn't try to make a little run at this, have one foot in, one foot out. I'm all for – I don't think they can be, like, crazy buyers. I just don't think – I don't see that. I don't think you have
2: to be, though. You probably don't have to be. I think what you go try to do is find a reliever or two, maybe Mm – that you have confidence in that's available and you pull the trigger you absolutely do that because we talk about windows all the time in in sports and the Cleveland Browns are right smack dab in the middle of a great window for them as far as their Super Bowl aspirations go and I'm not saying the Reds are a World Series contender but it could look a lot different a month or two from now if you have a guy or two coming out of the bullpen with a TJ Antone and a Lucas Mm -hmm. Sims and some guys that have been solid this year to shore up what has been such a weakness, because you're going to be there no matter what park you're in, no matter what pitcher's out there on the mound. You're going to get after these guys. You're going to get after these pitchers, and right now, I'm with you. I'm so glad the team is putting a whole bunch of pressure on them, yep. and I hope they've communicated with their manager, and the manager's communicated with the front office. Let's go get this thing. Let's get as competitive as we can, because right now we got the goods to get into a series and pretty much beat anybody, and especially with our bats.
1: Yeah, I mean, that was key, this series, to be able to come out of those games with uh, clutch at bats, and to come out against that team in their park was uh, was great. Uh, Cleveland. Real quick, AO yeah. just got an update for
2: yeah. Casty and Winker. Okay. They're batting fifth and sixth in the lineup tomorrow for the National League. So there okay. you go.
1: Good. Home run derby tonight, and we talked about this over the weekend. I think it's going to be one of – I mean, I think it's watched anyway, but I feel like with Shohei – in Colorado, oh goodness. I think there's just a different feel to it now. I actually took the value on on Joey Gallo to win it. I hope they face each other in the final, and I think that this is Gallo is the dude that just hits bombs. And now with no K's and no walks and nothing to worry about, he's a monster. And I, I he didn't want to do the Derby unless he made the team, so he thought it'd be fun. So, uh, how many chances are you really going to get? and the Rangers certainly supported him doing it. And he, he's bringing his third-base coach, Tony Beasley, to Denver to pitch to him in the Derby. Like that. And Beasley's been in that position for Texas for a while now. And what's cool about uh, his story is how he, he fought and beat cancer. So he's fully healthy, and he's been back with the team now for four years. So what he's overcome, the fact that Gallo's bringing him along for the ride, uh, there's some rooting interest in there. He's the first Rangers player to actually be in the Derby since Prince Fielder did it like six years ago. So there's something there. He'd be the third Ranger to win it. Ruben Sierra won it back in mm-hmm. uh, back in my day, and then Juan Gonzalez won it in the early '90s. So uh, he's got 23 dingers this season. That's yeah. the most he's had before an All Star break. Um, so I'm going to go with with this dude. I think there's some vibe around him with knowing full well that Otani is the favorite for a reason. And I just don't want him to wear himself out for my fantasy team in the second half. But other than that, I think they're going to put on a show, baby. This is going to be yeah. wild.
2: With that thin air in Colorado, these dudes are going to be hitting baseballs to the mountains tonight. And I cannot wait to see. I'm torn, though, on oh, who low. I want to win this thing. Because- who you want
1: to win or who's going to win?
2: Who I want to win, okay. because the two guys that I want to win are going head-to-head in the first round, and that creates a massive problem for me. You and I have been all over Shohei Otani since the offseason, hyping right. him up, and he absolutely has delivered. But I'm a Juan Soto guy, too, because we yeah. talked about earlier in the show villains and sports and how the Jokers kind of embraced that in, in tennis. But that has been the case here as well for Juan Soto. He irritates some pitchers with his antics in the box, and I'm all for it. And the dude is just an absolute boss out there on the field for Washington. So I'm torn there because I would want to go with one of those guys. So I'll stay away from that bracket. And I'm going to roll with this guy, though, because I think it would be the best feel-good story of this whole thing. Trey Mancini from the Baltimore Orioles. You talk about adversity, go check out his story and everything he has been through, had to go through to get back to this point. In his career, so I'm going to make a heart pick here. I'm going to go with a feel good pick here. Obviously, not going to be the favorite. Joey Gallo, smart by you, because that dude is an absolute monster. But give me Trey Mancini mm. from the land of the crab cakes, man, representing the Orioles. That's who I'm rolling with tonight. All
1: right, I don't. I got to look and see what value you can get on him. I would. I assume you can get because uh, Matt Olson's going up against him, right? That's a three six yeah.
2: matchup there. Yeah. Matt Olson from the Oakland Athletics, another lefty in this thing too.
1: All right. You saw the uh, horrendous uh, injury this weekend, right, to Ronald Acuna Jr.? Just awful. Absolutely awful because he was the
2: other starter, you know, outside of our guys from Cincinnati in Winker and Castellanos. And he's got electricity. He's got everything as far as you making a baseball player. You put him in a lab and it shoots out Ronald Acuna, and you absolutely are happy with that. And it's just – you can't – there's hardly any words for it, man. He's just running, yeah. he young was running to the wall. Did you see it? Yeah, young superstar goes down like that, especially that injury at this point in in this season. It's just absolutely rough, man, rough.
1: Weird, weird injury because he's running to the wall. He jumped like he almost thought he would hit the wall. You know how guys want to, like, leap and then kind of bounce into the wall and then land a little better? Well, he mistimed it or he didn't He didn't get near the wall. He didn't. And all that pressure landing on that right leg kind of hyperextended. He tore his ACL. Just- Home run, on second in OPS, fourth in total bases and steals. Anything else you got? No, that's, that's all the, good that's stuff. about it. He's a he's a beast. Yeah, man. Um, you did mention earlier. I'll mention it again. The Astros were down seven-two in the bottom of the ninth against the Yankees, and uh, Jose Buzzer Boy Altuve, who was zero for four in the game. Hit a three-run homer off green to win at 8-7. It was a six-run ninth. And unlike, unlike Game 6 of the 2019 ALCS, where he made sure they didn't rip off his jersey, now he knows he's not wearing anything, so hey. go ahead and rip it off. So we had a bare-chested Altuve now that he knows he's not wearing his machine, and we're all good. Didn't he say last time
2: his wife wouldn't have been happy if he took mm-hmm. the shirt off in mm-hmm. front of everybody? And yeah. look, yesterday we're just showing off the pecs in the six-pack, man. Yeah. No problem doing it there. But look, i got to be honest i got to be honest. You know I love a good villain, and I love what's going on with them Mm -hmm. because they're really, really good this year, and they ain't backing down. And we saw comments from them last year to where they were making spicy comments about the whole situation and everything like that coming from Carlos Carrera. They're embracing it. The Yankees embraced it. It's great. I need more of this from the Astros.
1: Uh, Tribe, Cesar Hernandez coming back to haunt me a little bit. I've had uh, my boys tweet me about when I'm going to pick him back up. He was... uh, he had two out and he had a three-run homer, and I, I'm i feeling like if he passes Scope in home runs, then I might do it. Then I might do it. Might but I it go until, back? Until he passes him, I'm not going to do it. Mercado hit a three-run blast. J-Ram hit a home run. And maybe, the, maybe one of the better stories of the weekend that we haven't talked about is Kyle Zimmer striking out his brother Bradley. Yeah. <laughs> that was pretty fun. Eight straight wins now versus the Royals, so they got something going there. All right, we'll come back. We'll hit you with truth next. Rothman and Ice on the fan.
0: Man and Bone have a simple philosophy for their show. Talk some sports, have some laughs, and get very fat. Common Man and T-Bone.
6: Weekdays at
0: three. The Fan. What? The hardest working show in the business, or at least at this station, in their time slot. This is Rothman and Ice.
1: All right, welcome back. Guys, I want to encourage you to take care of your health easier than you think at Low-T Center. They've reinvented the doctor's visit quick and easy. Go get all your levels checked. Get all the numbers that are important to your health, health. not only testosterone. Um, So contrary to popular opinion, it's not just T levels. Cholesterol, prostate, all the numbers you need. To uh, get you back on track They offer a comprehensive health assessment So you go there, you don't have to go wait at the doctor's office You're going to get all the numbers important to your health And then you'll get a baseline And then you'll be able to start improving those numbers Which I have So if you're feeling a little down, you've lacked motivation and drive Notice some weight gain, I get it Lose muscle mass as you get older. Could be signs of low T, but it might be low thyroid. It could be sleep apnea. Low T Center is going to help determine the cause of your symptoms, get you back to feeling your best. So sign up, register for their quick and easy health assessment. Do it today. LowTCenter.com. Low T Center, reinventing men's health care. Get it done.
6: Truth time. Tell the truth with Rothman and Ice. All right, CB, fire away. All right, so I really only had one trivia question for you, but I have a second one squeezed in because of the conversation with Cesar Hernandez. Now, he's not known to be a power hitter. He has 15 home runs at the All-Star break this year. I want to ask you, what do you think is his total high for a single season? Home runs? That's correct.
1: How many did he hit with the Phillies?
6: He has 15 now? That is correct. So this
2: obviously is a trick question. So I'm going to go with 12, lower than 15.
1: I'm going to go with that he's never hit any more than he has right yeah. now. That this is probably his best year. Yeah. So what? So what? The exact question is: What's his career high in a season? Is that your question? Essentially, yes. It's either 14 or 15. It's right around there.
6: Did he tie it yesterday? Did I'm going with 12. It? I'm going to say he tied it. Okay. That's correct. He's had fifteen in the 2018 season. That was the most he's ever had, and he's already tied it at the break.
1: Yeah, see, that's I'm I'm in tune to it because of the comeback and haunt. We're on to U
6: We're
2: yeah. on to you. We got
6: you, baby. Just find
2: out right now. Today is true. All right, my
6: second piece of trivia. So we had Jalen uh, Ramsey discussed three receivers in the league he considers to be the toughest guys to cover. Can you name those three guys?
2: Ooh. Can we dive into Jalen Ramsey's mind? You know, that's that's to, the hard part. So I,
6: Here's what yep. I feel really good about
2: one of them. All and right. I'm going to go back to the division that he plays in, in the AFC South. But this wide receiver no longer plays in the AFC South. I like But your he call. saw a large chunk of him when he did play. For the Houston Texans, CB, can we check off one box that has the name DeAndre Hopkins
1: next to it? Oh, I got it. That is one of them. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I figured you'd you'd have it. I like Hop. Who else you feeling? Go ahead. You're on a roll. No, that that was my most confident pick. I have um, Julio Jones. I have. I mean, just receivers that are tough to cover. Um, Michael Thomas, obviously. Uh, I like, let's roll uh, okay, with Julio. Okay, let, let, let me not overthink it. Let's roll with Julio. Tyreek Hill. Speed kills, dude. Come on. You can't press him. You can't give him cushion. If it's not Tyreek, then something's wrong. I feel great about Julio. I think that's all right. a monster. I'll let's go with too Julio. big, too quick, too physical.
2: Yeah, Julio. Julio Jones. Julio Jones is number two. Alright, all right, We're all off right, to a good start here. here. Off to a really good start. Now we, we have now. to
1: stay in a certain division? I love
2: I love what you laid out about Tyreek. I love everything you said about that. The third guy for me... we. Oh, so Anybody? there's a couple
1: dudes that are coming to my mind. Stephon Diggs, because he's the best route runner. There's not a branch on the tree that he can't run. I love that line. I love... Bars. I know, I just made that Bars. Up. Bars. I mean. And I like Tyreek because speed kills. And Keenan Allen is one of those dudes that just gets separation release, but it wouldn't be one we'd think of. So how could
6: it not be Tyreek Hill? It is not, and it's not anybody you've mentioned yet. Can we get a conference that he plays in That's right a, now? I C- got yeah. an AFC. OBJ. That is it. All right. You All right. can't handle not the truth.
1: Two out of three ain't bad, Meatloaf.
6: All right, so we're staying with this fantasy. Would you rather pick them? I, I love this range in the third round. You can get one of these two really good tight ends. So would you rather have Waller this year or Kittle? I'm rolling with the dude that plays
2: for the Raiders, and I'll lay out why. I don't really know what's going down at quarterback right now with San Francisco. Mm-hmm. If Trey Lance takes over that job, maybe he doesn't like throwing to the tight end as much as Jimmy G does, even though George Kittle is going to be cooking dudes and throwing up the said Mero like AEW's own after every first down, which I love that. You know, I'm a big wrestling guy. But I'm going to go back to Vegas. Well north of 100 targets. For our guy, Darren Waller, over the mm-hmm. last two years. And I don't know if there's a wide receiver out there in Las Vegas that we really love. Sure, Henry Ruggs was the fast guy coming out of college, but we really haven't seen it. They bring over John Ross. Maybe he's going to be, I'm sorry, John Brown, excuse me. Maybe he is going to be a consistent option for them on the outside. But to me, when I think of the Raiders, their number one pass-kicking option is. Is Darren Waller and in San Francisco they run it a ton
1: too. So give me Darren Waller attached to check down Charlie and Derek Carr. Kind of a drop off now, right from Kelsey. Now that it feels like that with the quarterback situation out there. He used to have kind of that uh, the feeling like they were interchangeable, but yeah, it falls off a cliff after Kelsey in a way. I'm with you on Waller over Kittle, and the reason is usually my tiebreaker is get him into the paint. And Kittle has not scored a lot of touchdowns, which is kind of, um, that, that steers me away from him. So I'm going to err on the side of the targets and a chance to get in the paint with Waller. Did you say, I know my truth? I know my truth.
6: And real quick, our final one is the Daily Fan Poll sponsored by Riker, Riker Kia. It's, which event with the All-Star break are you looking forward to the most? The Home Run Derby or the All-Star game?
2: For me, it's Runaway. It's the game because this is the only all-star game that matters in any sport because these guys actually get after it. The pitchers know, hey, I have an inning and two innings max. You're going to get max effort out of those guys, and the hitters don't want to be showing up. So I think the level of competition that we see from the regular season is consistent with the game that we'll get every single year at the All-Star break and the game that we will get tomorrow. So, look, the home run derby is fun, but that can get a little tiresome if you're sitting there and you're not a diehard fan. Give me nine innings of legit baseball with no. these, the best of the world
1: going at it. Yeah, not for me. Not for with dude just pitching one inning and, and... – all the interchangeable parts. And I agree there is a game that's being played. But if Shohei Otani was not in there, I would maybe lead to the nostalgia. I do like the introductions. Part of that is very pure from the All-Star Game standpoint for me. I like all that pomp and circumstance that comes with the All-Star Game. But to me, you've got a dude leading the MLB with 33 home runs. And he's got at least five more than anybody in the sport. And now you put him in Colorado, and he's the favorite and he's in the Derby yeah, but to be a You're locking
2: in on Otani, but you're going to get the best of him during the game. He's a starting pitcher for the yeah. AL, and he's going to circle around and bat leadoff. I mean, like, that's I'm it. Right interested,
1: there. I'm more interested in seeing him hit something that's oh, 550 me, feet, he, which you'll get probably in the game, I knowing so. him. <laughs> All right, inching closer to college football. Tom Van Herren, our buddy from ESPN, will jump on next. Ohio State, the conveyor belt of recruiting. Uh, when will it lead to a title? We'll ask him next. Rothman and Ice on the Fan. You love
0: sports. We love, love sports. You love the Buckeyes. We love the Buckeyes. You love your mom. We love your mom. The Fan, Ohio Sports Destination. One of them survives on almonds and broccoli. The other crushes frozen pizza in his unwashed sweats. You're listening
1: to Rothman and Ice. Welcome back, Rothman and Ice. Anthony Rothman, Matty ice Hayes. We welcome back to the program ESPN reporter. He covers college football recruiting and a lot more. Our friend Tom Van Herren on the Bryant Heating and Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline. Tom, welcome.
5: Yeah, thanks for having me. How are you guys doing?
1: We're doing great, man. We're inching closer to college football. The uh, conveyor belt of recruits keeps rolling into Ohio State. We'll get to the big picture on that in a minute, but... You know they needed offensive linemen, and they need a lot of them. They went to Colorado Cherry Creek High School to get George Fitzpatrick. Uh, the impact of George Fitzpatrick in in the ESPN top three hundred. What does that mean to us?
5: Well, he's he's a four star prospect, and he's six foot six, two hundred and sixty pounds. And I, I think what it means for for Ohio State is he he's a true tackle. He's an actual offensive tackle in this class, which like you said, they needed um that's really if you want to, if you want to nitpick this class that probably is the only uh the offensive line is really the only spot where i'm looking where they they need to to add a little bit more so getting him in this class um you know he was he, 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 we don't have him in the espn 300 but like i said he's a he's a four star prospect he had some really really big offers and I, and to me i i think he's one of those guys that based on his size and based on his ceiling Maybe he's going to end up being a guy we look back at and say, man, he was underrated. He probably should have had a higher ranking uh, because I think the potential is is there for him to fit in and eventually be a contributor.
2: There's so much hype right now behind the name Quinn Ewers. And I've seen, you know, some of his highlights, and he's got an electric arm. Are you buying the hype that is Quinn Ewers? And when eventually, when he does get to Columbus, that this dude is going to be a beast?
5: Yeah, I buy it one hundred percent. I do, and, and you know, recruiting is so funny because maybe, maybe somebody's going to save this recording and it's going to end up biting me in the butt in the future. But uh, you know, I, I've watched him and I've watched him throw, and I just I, I don't see many flaws in his game. And and for me, what I look at too is is the stuff for quarterbacks, the stuff that doesn't show up on the scouting report, and when you talk to these kids on the phone, their answers that they give how they carry themselves on social media. I, I honestly am a firm believer that, that that stuff matters in a lot of times if a guy pans out or not. If they can if they can transition to college, if they can handle that transition, um, that's a big piece of the puzzle, and I think he can 100% do that. And, and if, if anybody listening has not seen him throw at camps or seen his highlights, I, I, it's worth the watch because he is as good as advertised. And I think the, the other thing for me is not only is he as good as, as everyone says he is, but I think he fits in perfectly with what Ryan Day wants to do. And I, and I think this offense, uh, you, you look at what they're trying to build and, and some of the bigger-name programs around the country, it's, you have to have a high-powered offense and you have to have a passing game that, that can get you points and get you points quickly. And I think Quinn Ewers, is, he's got the accuracy, he's got the arm, he's got the touch. He's got everything that you want that, that can get you points in college football.
1: Well, that'll keep the receivers rolling into C-Bus because we got him, man. <laughs> we got him by the boatloads. Uh, let me switch the other side with you, Tom. JT Tumalau, to uh, the kid out of uh, Washington State, commits to Ohio State. And you know, people are calling him a future top 10 overall pick. We already have Jack Sawyer here, so we certainly have something going on. But your uh, assessment of JTT living up to his hype?
5: Yeah. Another one that I, the off the field stuff, where I think that's a factor where he, you know, he stayed away from the hype and he didn't buy into the recruiting stuff and, and the social media stuff. He kept everything close to the vest. He managed his process. I would, I would actually compare how he is off the field and how he managed his recruitment, similar to what Kayvon Thibodeau did, the defensive end who went to Oregon, who is now a star for Oregon. Uh, they I think they were similar in in the fact that they managed everything in terms of not letting it get out of hand, not letting the hype get out of control. And I really think that stuff matters to, to me when I watch a lot of these prospects, that he's a kid that you, you know he's going to come in and he's not he's not just there because he thinks he's going to be the star and he thinks he's going to be treated like a five-star. He's there because he wants to succeed and he wants to make that team better. And that, that to me, is just, uh, like I said, it's just a, a huge, huge factor. But the other part of it you look at what he can do on the field, and I think what what benefits Ohio State. You mentioned Jack Sawyer. Jack Sawyer is a defensive end through and through. He's going to be a defensive end, but JT at six foot five, two hundred and eighty pounds, I think he's got he's got versatility that you can put him out there in any situation. He can be an every down defensive lineman for you, uh, no matter how you want to play him. If you want to play him outside, if you want to play him on the interior, he can do that. And I think Larry Johnson is probably he's probably still smiling. Even now, what, how, how many days has it been? Eight days after, after the commitment because I think he's, he's going to be able to do some creative things with JT and, and utilize him in a lot of different ways.
2: Such a huge get for Coach Johnson and company. What was your feel on Kyle McCord coming out of high school? Because I think for a a large portion of us, C.J. Stroud seems to be the guy that's going to take the first snaps. We don't know, but just based off what we saw a year ago, he was the guy that got the call when Justin Fields had to go down for any portion of time. But he's right there in the thick of a quarterback competition. How did you feel about his level of play coming out of high school entering Ohio State?
5: Yeah, I, I'm. I'm not real. I don't want this to sound like a negative because I don't think it's a negative. I'm not surprised that if you know if CJ takes over and and he's the quarterback and it's not Kyle. I'm not surprised by that because I, I, I think the where Kyle was at coming in for me at least. I think the ceiling is there, the potential is there, but I think there's some refinement that still needs to happen, and there's, uh, there there are some things where I think in a lot of situations, if a quarterback, if you can get him to stay in the program, sit for a year or two. Learn the system, learn the nuances of being a quarterback in college. It can benefit them greatly, and it doesn't mean that that Kyle doesn't have the talent. He absolutely does, and I think he's a he's going to be a great quarterback. Um, but I think he, he's just one of those guys where maybe not at that level where we see some of the other the other true freshmen come in and they can they can take over right away. But like I said, that's not a negative. I think that's okay. Uh, I think now with you know we, we we look at all these recruits and we say if they don't start from day one it's a bust and it's not, that's not true it's it's okay to sit sometimes so I think the potential is there I think my, the question that I have is the, the timing of his uh, the class that he's in with Quinn Ewers coming in behind him how does that impact Kyle if CJ does take over this year now he's got a leg up on experience I, I really that's the only question I have is the timing of it is. If Quinn Ewers gets in and, and passes him or, or even, you know, they've got to sit behind CJ for two years, how does that impact Kyle going forward? I, I don't know the answer to that yet, but I, I do think he's got the, t- the talent to succeed.
1: All right, so let's wrap it up kind of where Ohio State You've seen a lot of talent when you've, you've assessed these recruiting rankings, Tom, over the years and classes and where they rank. And, and now that Ohio State is where they are, would you be – Incredibly surprised that this didn't translate into a national title sooner rather than later. I know no, there's no guarantee. You've got some great schools of BAM and Clemson that certainly have, have been there, and, and Georgia is up there. Um, what, what's your view on the talent that Ohio State's been bringing in lately and will in the next couple of years, and whether that should translate into a title?
5: Yeah, I, I had someone ask me this question on Twitter just the other day, and I said, absolutely, I, I, I think it's going to translate into a national championship. I, and I do because I, of what we, what we talked about just a few minutes ago was that, that the, the elite programs are building elite offenses. And even Nick Saban has said, you, you just can't win with a great defense anymore. You can't do it. You have to have a high-powered offense. And you talked about the wide receivers they're bringing in. We, we touched on the quarterback room. The, the great problem that they have of too much talent in the quarterback room, the the offensive linemen, the defensive linemen, I mean, everything they're bringing in, I, I, you know, I, I, I don't like to say things. Last time I came on the show, I think I said something out loud that, that I hadn't said before. And I, I said, I think Georgia's going to win the national championship. I'm going to say something again out loud that I haven't said in public yet. But I, I think Ryan Day is recruiting, for me at least, Ryan Day is recruiting at a better level, of, at, a, at, a, at a more complete level than Urban Meyer did at Ohio State. I, in terms of building a team... And and building a program and, and adapting to what the the game is, I just I, I have to imagine it's going to translate into a national championship in the next few years.
1: Awesome stuff, Tom, and that's music to Buckeye fans' ears here. So you can keep <laughs> s- keep talking out loud all you want, big guy. So uh, we will uh, we love your insight and your information. Thanks for jumping on with us. Be well, and we'll talk to you soon.
5: All right, you too. Thank you.
1: Thanks, Tom Van Herren, Real Quick ESPN. Yeah. Interesting take there about
2: comparing the classes Mm -hmm. between Coach Day and Urban. And obviously you're splitting hairs because they both recruited at a high level. But if you think about what he just said, we talked about the classes being more complete. It's hard to argue that when you look at what Coach Day has done, especially with the wide receivers. right? Because these high school wideouts probably weren't looking at Urban's run and looking at Ohio State as it being as attractive to them as it is now. Because you get both under Coach Day with Urban, you sprinkled in the wide receivers. receivers, the Devin Smith, the Michael Thomas, and those guys. But overall, the names are just through the
1: roof. So I actually agree with that statement there. It was always about finding the next Percy Harvin, right? Right. With with the dual threat quarterback. So it wasn't this stable of receivers that were going to get theirs. But now you've got... You know, Marvin Harrison Jr. And, Ami, uh, Jr. and Amika Buka, and they they build this class differently. Yeah. We're going to develop that topic this week for okay. sure. We'll come back, NFL 2-Minute Drill next. Rothman and Ice on the fans. Love crew
0: soccer? Us too. Let's get married and catch every game together. Proud to be your local home for the black and gold. The Van, Ohio sports destination. It's time for the NFL 2-Minute Drill. Sponsored by Dr. Mark Levy. Stop
4: snoring and start sleeping now. Visit sleepbettercolumbus.com today.
1: All right, NFL two-minute drill, Maddie. Bengals OC, Brian Callahan Auto, market guaranteed. I don't know if he's marking this guaranteed, if he's going to put this in a box and market guaranteed, but he said 50 catches for CJ Ozama. Fitty lemon line. For Cincinnati, for the natty. Can we
2: get him the 50 with everything 50? they've got cooking up down there? because I think Joe Mixon is going to be in the mix as well when it comes to receptions not, next
1: yeah, year. Okay. We know the three wide receivers no. are all getting theirs. No, I can't get him to 50. 50? In fact, I'd put the over under at 35 and a half. I'd take the
2: over on that. You would? Okay. But I think I'd be leaning more towards like the 40 to 45 window for C.J. Uzama. He's always been a that guy that's popped every once in a while, yeah. but just never a dude that we've looked at week in and week out, and said, yeah, that's a reliable option for them at tight end, whether it was health permitting or just whatever the situation was. But I'm with you. I will take the under on that. I think Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and all those guys are going all going to be
1: north of 70 themselves. I think what he's trying to do and what I've read is that Callahan Auto is trying, up there in Sandusky, is trying to uh, get all of them with at least 50. Like they say, he's got the strange fascination with five Bengal receivers getting 50 catches We don't need that. Let's just win games. How about that? Well, that'd be nice, too.
2: You know, I don't need those. I like the
1: fact he's coming back. I mean, he had the Achilles injury. right? So that's nice. And Sample started the rest of the year. Drew Sample. Yeah. Yeah. He ran most of your routes. But he's almost 28. He's cleared to go. He'll have a full training camp. And now, I do like the fact you guys are going to be pretty pass heavy, but I'm happy that you threw out Mix because I think... They were just starting to dabble in that when he got injured. And we've heard about that this all
2: season, is that that's also something that they want to get cooked up with Joe Mixon is getting him involved there. But it's something we were talking about during draft time is that you look at the Bengals' tight ends and you're saying, okay, which guy do you really love? And that kind of led us to it towards, hey, if they draft Kyle Pitts, wouldn't be mad at that either because that obviously is an area of need. But may, maybe C.J. Uzama coming off that Achilles injury that you just mentioned is going to bounce back and be that dude. But I got to roll with the under. And I, I really don't love their offensive coordinator throwing out those numbers like that. We don't need that. Let's just get
1: some ducks. I, I think that? what he's trying to do, and you tell me whether you agree, I think when they picked Jamar Chase and everyone said, oh, Joe's got his boy now, I think there was this underlying thing that, uh-oh, he's going to force-feed his guy. And I think publicly, just hear me out publicly, I think Callahan is just trying to soften that, hey, we got no favorites in this offense. Oh, a little mind games from the coach. Not mind little, games. Just, he just wants to make a sure message that... message to the young quarterback? That just because we drafted Jamar Chase, that it doesn't mean that everyone else is going to see uh, uh, less target. And I would say, look, coach, I'm throwing the
2: rock. You just stand on the sideline and let me deliver mm. the goods. How about that? How about that, Coach Callahan?
1: Wow. That's what I would say. Stay in your lane, I'm Coach Callahan. Yeah, stay, stay, stay in your lane, Coach. I'm the franchise QB here. I got this. Don't worry about it. Saquon me. Barkley said he doesn't have a timetable for his comeback. You're the, you want to draft him in fantasy if you're picking up there in the top three. You've said it. You've been on record. He missed OTAs. He didn't say whether he'll open training camp on the pup list or not. Is this scaring you, Matt? Yeah, that
2: makes me nervous. That makes me nervous. Now that we're a few weeks away from training camp and we're not, we don't have a concrete window of time for him to come back, that absolutely makes me nervous in the fantasy world. Real life, I think eventually he'll step out on the football field mm-hmm. and be an absolute stud. But that's a decision. That's going to be a hot and heavy decision for a lot of fantasy people right there in that first five to seven picks. Do you go out there and get Saquon if he's not
1: going to be available right away? That would kind of scare me. Even though I really do like him, and I don't, have, I have no problem with them not cutting and doing all that stuff yeah, right away. Right. But like, if there's no real commitment to that, that's a little scary. So if I'm drafting three, I'm probably going to err on the side of if Dalvin's there, I take him. If Derrick Henry is there, Kamara? I'll take him. No, probably well, not Kamara. Well, in PPR, I, I, you know,
2: you're getting eighty plus.
1: Yeah, well, every, okay. every PPR, yes. But I think if I'm if I'm sitting in the three hole. I'm probably going to take Henry or Cook over Barkley. I'll roll with you on that. All right. I'll roll with you on that. Uh, That new news. Unless something happens, you know? Something breaks and... Yeah, and I see a couple highlight videos out of training camp, then I'm coming back to the other side. Uh, Frank Clark, defensive end of Kansas City, wild weekend. These charges stem from late June when he was spotted with an Uzi inside a duffel bag during a routine traffic stop. Yeah, that's a problem. Uh, He said, uh, you know, the gun wasn't mine, right? Belonged to a member of a security team. Well, then why doesn't the security team have it? Uh, the prosecutor is going to bring him back for another hearing next week. You're talking about up to three years in prison. Could be uh, something big there if there's a conviction. Well, Hopefully not. Obviously not good. Maddie. Yeah. Nice job. Thank you. You Let too. Let us man. out of the studio. It feels good. <laughs> Common Man and T-Bone will take over here. Signature cabinetry fan golf classic presented by Delta Dental of Ohio and Logan AC and Heat Services right here on the fan.